warning! The Bone Bad Joe is intended for adults only and contains bad words and other yucky stuff that may make some people very angry. So watch out! You off, tell us a joke about dicks in the mix. You got the desk, not telling you where it's at. Stephen Gord, oh my lord, bowing down to bone fat, podcasting your asses and nerdy, massive classes. Speak the speak of the geek to all the internet masses. Take your glasses off a set, I'm dropping bombs on your dome. In your home, pull your bootstraps up, it's time to burn chrome. Dirty jokes from the nerdy blokes, chewing on them curvy loads of that quirky counterculture wrapped up in their wordy show. B movie, holy men, wombat, metalhead, politics, amen. Independent artist friend, renaissance casters of the full fan spectrum. Nonchalant notables break through the bedlam of bullshit. Quick wit, crickets of the populace, Vulcan with some Romulus, rolling prime like Optimus. and you're listening to the Bone Bat Show. Really? No kidding. Dinner and, and a movie or what? Just got my momentum and it by 
with two bars that rhyme. But my world is empty without you. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 121 of the Bone Bat Show. This is Steve. This is Cord. How's it going, man? It's going well. This is a historic show, Steve. Wah, wah, wah? This could be the very last show we ever do before <laughs> Scotland declares independence. Ah, uh, okay. Wait, yeah. Scotland wasn't already free? <laughs> From the <laughs> iron fist of the British? Oh, the no. Queen. That's right. Yeah, Scotland is having a vote, like, this week. <laughs> the eyes say the queen can eat a dick. Vote <laughs> in favor of Hoochie Bagpipe. <laughs> I'm opposed. Squeeze your bagpipe. They'll never figure out who won the election. <laughs> That's kind of funny. We'll have to call up Stuart and find out what exactly happened. Well, what happens to the Welsh? That's a, that's a big question, right? Well, that is the question. They're saying if Scotland goes, Wales may try to follow. Wales may be all, hey, we can do that too. That is a saying, right? Where Scotland goes, Wales follow? That's not actually a saying, no. <laughs> that's not a saying at all. Okay. <laughs> it might be now. <laughs> you being the trendsetter and all. I am the trendsetter. Yeah, no, if Wales went where Scotland went, the Welsh would also be wearing kilts and playing bagpipes. And having things like industry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what is the the main industry of Scotland, now that you're dropping some knowledge? It's crap. (laughs) They export all the crap. (laughs) Great gobs of crap. They've got banks and things. Really, banking. Banking is of Scotland and scotch. There's that, yeah. People drink scotch. People don't drink. Well, oh, people do drink Welsh. What about Welsh's grape juice? Welsh's <laughs> apple cider. What about uh, peat? I think it's a felony to export that. Is it really? No, I totally made that up. Felt <laughs> <laughs> down, man. That's know. what I was thinking of. Wow. That's illegal to export. Uh, that's quite an intro you whipped up there. Well yeah. Played. Well, we just sort of pulled a, <laughs> pulled a little bit of history. I don't know. So I'm ready for this show. Absolutely no dog in this fight at all. As, as little as I know about Scotland, I also don't have an opinion about Scotland. Well, Whatever they do, I think everyone's. Ha- I hope everyone's happy. Go, well, people. Why don't we talk about something you do have an opinion about? Bill Beats and Shubzilla. I have opinions about both of those fine people. Tonight's musical guests. Now, this, this is pretty funny. Now, you've been a fan of Shubzilla for a long time since we saw them at the Pack show a couple of years ago. Ever since she belted out, put a baby in me. Yes. Yes. Uh, a fine song, which we will play a little bit. But one of the things that uh, was interesting is, you know, she's she's done great on the VPC. We've kept, kind of been following her career when she plays with Death Star, stuff like that. But I never really felt like they had enough music there to play a whole Bone Bat show. And then it packs. Bill Beats whips out their new CD. I'm like, well, this is a done deal. we got to have you on. Way to go. And when Bill Beats whips it out, we pay attention. Exactly. So uh, tonight, Bill Beats and Shubzilla. 
their music off their brand new CD on Noir Grime Records, Dinner and a Movie. I hope you dig the music that we are listening to now. The opening song was Empty, and there's a lot more where that came from, so keep listening. Also, please stop by the Bone Bat homepage and check out the custom art for this episode created at PAX by Abby Howard, the runner-up from Penny Arcade's Strip Search series, who I must say was by far the funniest cartoonist on that series, in my opinion. Check out her very cool rendition of our two-headed skeleton on the Bone Bat page. Uh, one other thing in music and news, I, I don't even know how to do this kind of hard for me but uh, this is gonna be awkward yeah uh, bringing things down at the start of the show but uh, here here's what happened Uh, thursday night before pax i think it was september 26 a good friend of the show jorge meneses was killed in a motorcycle accident Uh, jorge was the guitarist for barefoot barnacle jorge was the very first person we ever interviewed on the bone bat show way back in episode 11 uh he was the one who shared Barefoot Barnacle's music with us, and that resulted in them playing the very first Comedy of Horrors Film Festival. He was a really great friend of the show. He was also a graphic designer. Uh, that's how I met him, was I worked with him at our real day jobs and uh, met him there. And uh, he did our poster for the very first Comedy of Horrors Film Festival, uh, the very first incarnation of the Two-Headed Skeleton Jorge really meant a lot uh, to me as a friend and to the show, you know, all the early stuff that they did with us. And uh, I'm so sad just knowing that I'm never going to see him play again. You know, I thank him for his friendship and all the stuff he did for the show. Uh, He was just a great guy. Uh, My condolences to his family and to his brothers in crime, uh, Alex, Doug, and John, uh, the other members of Barefoot Barnacle. This has to be hurting them as much as it hurts me. I can't even imagine how they're feeling. I, I don't know what more I can possibly say. Uh, that guy really meant a lot to us. And, you know, I don't know. The last year is like BJ from IROT passed away and Jorge now. I feel like running out and like hugging all the musician friends I have. And, <laughs> Telling them, Death Star, Burning of Eye, you guys, like, take fucking care of yourselves. Be good. Be careful. Don't do dangerous things. I mean, even Jorge was just riding a motorcycle, something he did all the time. And it was very sad. And, uh, you know, I had to miss the the funeral because of PAX and just kind of a big bummer. So, again, uh, my condolences to family and Barefoot Barnacle. And uh, I love you, man, wherever you are. Hope uh, you rest in peace. So, we got that. We got that. Yeah, he's the guy that kind of invented the uh, the two-headed skeleton, the mascot of the uh, Bone Bat Film Fest. Yeah. That's where it started. And, man, you know, listening to Barefoot Barnacle's music, like, he and Doug played for so long together and practiced for so long, and they both had, like, these weird jazz guitars that nobody else had, and they both had these weird kind of Rivera amps that not a lot of other people had, and it resulted in, like, them growing their own organic, unique sound out of a Petri dish. And I've heard a lot of bands, but I've never heard to this day anybody else like Barefoot Barnacle. And I always thought that, wow, they should have been so much bigger than they were. And, uh, yeah, it just fucking hurts, man. Yeah, it's lousy. So, Jorge, wherever you are, I'm sure it's loud and it sounds a lot better now. Damn. So, uh, 
but probably what we'll do is uh, next show will be uh, a little retrospective. We'll play once more, uh, some more barefoot barnacle stuff. In the meantime, what pisses us off? <laughs> well, it pisses me off to lose friends. That really pisses me off. Another thing, though, you know what? It pisses me off to go to PAX and not have my friends and family with me so I can actually play games. Again, PAX was totally fun. I saw a lot of brand new stuff, played a lot of games, talked to a lot of fantastic game creators. But you weren't there, man. It just wasn't was the same there. without you being able to play games. My family, this year, tickets were like came and went so, so fast. By the time the I found way. out, <laughs> tickets, had, tickets had been on sale like for an hour and a half when I saw the post. And already I went on the site and the tickets were gone except for Monday. And I knew I wasn't going to go Monday anyway, so I didn't get tickets. And last year I was at least able to, you know, go in and buy tickets for my family. If I hadn't gotten a press pass, I would not have been able to attend. So uh, thank you, of course, to the PAX Media folks for making that happen. But, uh, yeah, it pisses me off not to have my friends and family with me to share that particular convention and to play a shit ton of games. That was always one of the highlights, and I really missed that this year. Man, I wanted to be there with you. I did. I, I missed I missed playing games with you at PAX as well. I've been playing games with you for as long as I've been... I don't know. We've been playing video games together for a long, long time. We have. So... Yeah, it's a it's a bummer we're not playing them together at PAX. You know what pisses me off? What's that, buddy? Let me tell you. There's a few things that piss me off. I've got a list. First of all, it pisses me off when you order something to make one of your kids happy, and then it just doesn't show up, and you've already told your kid it's coming. Parent tip, don't tell your kid stuff is coming until it actually gets there. Because I ordered this epic print from Jonan Vasquez autographed it's, it's he's the guy that did Johnny the Homicidal Maniac he did the cartoon Invader Zim great stuff but I ordered this print from him with all these flying pigs and people on the back of the pigs screaming and show my kid and it was going to be all cool and stuff and it just didn't come it didn't come it didn't come order got lost in the system however I have got to hand it to the fine folks at Question Sleep, where I bought the thing, and the artist himself, Jonah Vasquez, when they discovered that a, this order had been misplaced, they absolutely stepped it up, and they sent me an email apologizing for it being late. They threw in a bunch of extra stuff in the package that they shipped us, and Jonah Vasquez himself drew a little picture of a sad creature apologizing for the order being late. So that <laughs> is just... Super, super cool. That's pretty great. I, yeah, it's not often you get that level of customer service. Take something from a bummer to like, wow, this is great. I can't believe I got this in the mail. <laughs> so patronize Question Sleep. That's a that's a good place to buy good stuff. Very cool. You know what else pisses me off? I can't wrap my head around this. I think okay. I talked about this briefly, about this idiot football player, this evil football player beating on his wife, oh, Ray Rice. Yeah. So... They have video footage of him dragging his unconscious girlfriend out of an elevator. He tearfully apologizes, says he made a mistake, which, by the way, it's not a mistake. It's an evil act. A mistake is like betting to an inside straight. A mistake is is going through the late yellow and hitting red. Okay, that's not a mistake. A mistake is an error. 
he did this thing. His mistake was thinking he was not going to get caught. Anyway, they dole out this minimal punishment to him. That sucks. What I don't understand is why all of a sudden now, because they actually saw the video footage of it happening, they kicked him out of football forever. Ray Rice is not going to play. Hooray! Great! If these people are role models, wonderful. I'm glad a guy that beats on women is not playing and trying to be a role model. But what pisses me off is, why did they wait so long? What did they think happened in that elevator that he was apologizing for? I can't wrap my head around why they actually had to see, oh, he actually hit her. Had to have video footage of it before they tossed him out. Damn it. Serious. Does that make any sense at all to you, Steve? No, not at all. Well, what about Ray McDonald from the fucking 49ers, dude? You've got a dude that just got in trouble for spousal abuse or for domestic abuse like a week ago, and he's still playing for the Niners. Well, yes, and he's not he even played on Sunday, yet. right? Yeah, but he's not been charged, let alone convicted. If they have evidence, like video evidence of him hitting her, same thing should happen. He should be out. If there's evidence of him like hollering his girlfriend around unconscious, I hate the guy. Get him out of there. Right now, all they've got is not enough evidence to even charge him yet. So you can't throw someone out of the NFL for something you're not even going to charge him with. Well, and that's what I guess Ray Rice would say too, right? As well. No, but they was, had video footage of him drunk. dragging his yeah, unconscious she was, woman around. Yeah, she was drunk and I dragged her out of the elevator. What? What was he apologizing for afterwards saying he made a big mistake? Well, because he knew what he did. Yeah. And he felt guilty about it. But you're, you know, on the one hand, you're talking about this guy, but you're not calling out the guy on the team you root for right in front of you. Fuck you, I'm, you I'm piece of shit. I'm calling him out. If, if they convict him, he should like he should be booted. If there's video evidence of him doing it, if there's something irrefutable like that Ray Rice thing, boot his ass. And you know what? That's the other thing that pisses me off, is the 49ers are becoming the biggest team of drunken thug idiots in the entire NFL. Yeah, it's they becoming make the, very hard to root for this team. They're making the Raiders look good. I know. God. They're like a bunch of guys that are in the end zone crowd at a Raiders game. <laughs> yeah, Start Alden really Smith too, off. man. The Alden Smith stuff just keeps on coming. Yeah, what's up with that idiot? I don't know. Good Lord. And yeah, yeah. Though, that's those are the role models there. Yeah, yeah I, I don't have a problem with like a zero tolerance policy when it comes to domestic abuse. I don't think that that should exist. It's never yeah. occurred to me to strike my wife because I love her and I married her. So I don't get that mindset. And if people who do resort to that or have a ton of punishment heaped upon them, I'm fine with that. As am I. Good Lord. I don't care. Smoke a joint. Smoke a pile of joints. Whatever. But no, you don't be beating on your woman. Yeah, it's unacceptable. Pisses me off. You know what else pisses me off? What's that? Credit not given where credit is due. Steve. Oh, oh, oh shit. I think you have an email to <laughs> So you're going to you're going to get me in trouble now. Well, I, I think we both yeah, share yeah, we the do. blame on this. Okay. After last show, I received the following email. Hey, bat friends. Can't wait to listen to the new episode featuring Beefy. Thank you so much for featuring him. I know we very much appreciate it. My name is Mustin. I produced the recent record, Grown Up. In the credits on your site, you mention all music in episode 120 was written and performed by Beefy, used courtesy of his own bad self. I can appreciate where this is coming from, but it does irk me a bit that 
As I slaved and sweated over every bit of that music, I made all of the music with help from Tim Sheehy on the track Save Point on this album. Beefy provided all the amazing vocals and his storytelling, his witty rhymes and overall amazingness, but it just irks me a bit that as the music piece was all me, baby, Save Point notwithstanding. Anyway, been drinking, feeling like a dick, and enjoyed your line. Got something that pisses you off? Then why not share it with the Bone Bat crew? So thanks for letting me vent. Can't wait to listen. Thanks again, Mustin. Ah, dude, I'm so sorry. So I immediately, of course, apologize to Mustin. I basically have kind of like a form that I fill in from the last episode. And I was kind of doing that on Sunday morning, just cranking it up, trying to get the episode out. And I totally missed not giving Mustin credit. Not only that, Beefy called him out in the episode and mentioned him by name and talked about him. So we have no excuse. So Mustin, I am so sorry. I did remedy it immediately. I put links to your sites on our website so that you can find your stuff easily. And definitely Mustin has done a lot of work with Beefy over the years. I believe both in VPC and on Beefy's various albums. So check out his stuff. He is a great beatsmith. He does excellent work, and that was a big miss on our part. We totally believe in giving credit where due, and that was all my bad. So, once again, I I hope you can forgive us. I have remedied it, and uh, we would be glad to feature more of Mustin's music with full credit on future episodes of the show. So, once again, I am very sorry. Whew. This is just the angst-ridden episode, isn't it? I know, right. It's all us not giving credit where it's due. It's, It's... White beaten. It's just awful. This is the awful stuff. I know. Nothing good so far. Well, why don't we listen to a song from Shubzilla and Bill Beats? How about Round and Round? Round and Round. All the people picking out my daily grind Waste my time on nothing so I pay them no mind 
My team has been selected and they always down to play. This life is our field and we game it our way. So now I see the wear and tear cracking at my face. Wouldn't change how I got him any time, any place. I'm doing great, thanks. So I was just walking through the Indie Mega booth and I saw your game Darkest Dungeon and immediately I was caught by the art style. It reminds me a lot of Hellboy's Mike Mignola, that, yes. that very cool, you know, black etched almost style. And yeah. the, the art looks great. Tell me a little bit about the game. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, Darkest Dungeon is a turn-based RPG that is all about the psychological stress of adventuring. Turns out that being an adventurer is a really terrible job. It's uh, highly stressful. I mean, you're fighting monsters, you're running out of food, the pay is uncertain. And so what we decided to do is kind of bring in the concept that if you're a fighter and you have one hit point left and, you, and there's a giant ogre about to smite you down, maybe you don't stay and fight. Maybe you want to run. And what does that do to the rest of your party? And so what we've done is the game puts you in the role of kind of a, almost like a squad leader where you're trying to shepherd these heroes through their life as adventurers. Okay, and what tools do you have at your disposal for morale building? Well, the, uh, the big thing is that uh, you, you have a town. So the, there's a story behind the game, and you can get a glimpse of that if you go check out our House of Ruin trailer, it's called. But basically, your ancestor dabbled in the occult. Actually, more than dabbled. He jumped in <laughs> with both feet <laughs> and uh, never came out for air. Okay. And so your, your ancestral lands have been overrun with all these baddies. And you've come back as kind of like the, the heir to this ruined estate. And now you're going to hire adventurers, send them on the quest to clean it out. Now, the way that they... As they go in quest, they get stressed out. But then they come back to town, and just like people blow off stress, there's activities for them to blow off stress. Okay. They can go drinking, gambling, go to the church to pray, um, all those sorts of things. So part of the game is actually how you manage your heroes in between their quests. We say it's a little bit of like XCOM meets a turn-based Dark Souls. <laughs> because at XCOM, you know, you're managing a roster, you send them on quests, and then you come back, and you, there's the base building part. So Dark Souls, is it that hard? It's into, yes, it's hard. It's 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 meant to be hard and unforgiving, and there's permadeath, so it's it's a roguelike like. Okay. <laughs> to, so, like like like. Yeah, like 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 times ten. No, uh, but basically, if a hero dies, they're dead, and you need to recruit more. So this this leads to 
a lot of high stakes. Like, you can't just go, well, that battle didn't go well, I'm going to reload. Yeah. Oh, I know XCOM, man. When I lose one of my guys that I've yeah. been building oh, yeah. up for, like, months, oh, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, so we, we like, XCOM Iron Man is, like, a, a choice. You know, the mode? This, this is always Iron Man. Now, our intent isn't to be just punishing for punishing's sake. It's actually a game about skill, but also risk-reward. That ties into everything about the game. Like, because when you're on a mission, you can always retreat. You can always run away. And so there's a little bit of, like, how far do you push it? Do you want the better loot? Are you almost done? Because we want you to be put in almost the same role as the heroes, which is, man, do I stay and fight, or do I run, turn tail and run? Right. And so that, that goes beyond just how we model their behavior, you're going to be thinking that stuff all the time. Very cool. Well, I'm looking forward to playing it right now in just a moment. Uh, question for you. Yep. So when is the game available? So right now we're, we're still uh, uh, building. We're going to do a Steam Early Access. We okay. haven't confirmed a date, but it's not going to be too far away. Okay. Um, and the, the full release will will definitely be in 2015. Okay. Um, and Early Access is going to be earlier side of that. So okay. we yeah we haven't decided for sure whether it's going to be end of this year or beginning of 2015. Okay. But well, uh, stay tuned on like our website, Facebook, Twitter, mailing list, and will definitely announce. Yeah, keep me in the loop because I will want to tell our listeners when it goes right. live. So. And we do have a lot of cool stuff at, at darkestdungeon.com is the main uh, hub. And there's actually a great fan site at darkerdungeon.com. <laughs> nice, a fan yeah. site already. That's yeah, cool. no, it's great. It's forums. It's very well run by some active fans in our community. And I encourage people to go there too because it's a great place to discuss the game. Fantastic. Um, and about the art, you're, you're dead on with the um, Mignola influence. Like Chris Barrasso, who's our creative director, artist, um, he, he draw, hand draws everything. And that that's definitely an influence. Like those dark Proquil, um, it's gothic, it's black, and you know it's trying to bring out the feeling of the game you know, through the visuals. It definitely grabbed me, and I think it's going to be one of those deals, come for the art, stay for the gameplay. That would be great. We'd be happy with that. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Tyler, one last question. We always ask all of our guests on the Bone Bat Show, Tyler, what pisses you off? <laughs> oh, man, what pisses me off? Oh, gosh, there's too many things to list. <laughs> Not getting enough time to play games. How's that? <laughs> yes. Oh, that is totally my steam, I mean, as well. everybody has a giant Steam backlog, so do I. But there's just not enough time to play them and make them. Well, thank you again for spending a few minutes with us on yep. the show. My and, pleasure. Uh, I'm looking forward to playing the game. Let's do this. <laughs> thank you. This will be a day long remembered. It has seen the end of Kenobi. It will soon see the end of the rebellion. 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 show here at PAX 2014 and joining me now is Dave, editor for Dark Horse Comics. How you doing man? Really good, yeah. Glad to be here. Thank you so much just personally 
for all the support that Dark Horse has shown the Bone Bat Film Festival over the years. You guys have been just stalwart supporters, giving us prizes to give away to our listeners and our fans, and we really appreciate that. You guys are awesome. Yeah, well, we're big fans too, so. And when I heard that you guys were going to be showing at your first packs, I wanted to talk to you because, you know, everybody knows the, the horror comics, which we love, Hellboy, things of that nature, but also the video game comics and tie-ins that you do. Mass Effect, one of my favorite games, being one of the key titles of your program. Yeah, we've been really fortunate to work so closely with Bioware on both Mass Effect and Dragon Age series. Those comics have, have always been developed with the cooperation of the lead writers of those games. So we've been able to tell stories that actually tie directly into the story. Um, we've, we've done several things with Mass Effect where we do a story that sets up uh, a DLC for the game. Our, our most recent series, Mass Effect Foundation, is all set up for the final Mass Effect 3 DLC Citadel. So it's, it's been really great to work so closely with the developers to develop these stories. Well, and especially developers that develop such rich storytelling that gives you such a lovely springboard to you know go into these great new adventures. Yeah, and we get to take advantage of our medium and give opportunities to the creators of these worlds to do things that they didn't necessarily have the time or the resources or the simple latitude to do uh, in the game. So we can we can really complement the experience of the game and, and give something to the fans while they're waiting, you know, the two or three years between installments. So you kind of benefit from the gaming development cycle, don't you, in a way, because it does give you that breathing room. You know, it gives us something to contribute to the mm. universe. You build these really compelling characters, you build these worlds that people want to inhabit, but with all that time in between them, they want to have something else to stoke that fire. Right. And, um, and comics are a great place to do that. We're serialized entertainment. You show up every month and you're going to get another piece of story. Right. And so, yeah, we've really built our whole program about around having a, an, an authentic extension of these game worlds like Mass Effect, like Dragon Age, like Tomb Raider and Halo, to give gamers something to hold on to while they're waiting for the next game. Absolutely. And this is not puffery. As a comic fan, I've always kind of steered away from, like, tie-ins. That's been something I didn't want to mess with. And yours are always spot on. So to me, that's a rarity in the industry. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, we're as much gamers as we are a comic book publisher. And where this all started is being frustrated that video game comics weren't better. That yeah. There weren't a lot of them, and the ones that were, were weren't very good. Yeah. yeah. And so we wanted to read good comics about the games that we loved playing. And we felt that the, the ticket to that was always getting the developers as involved as possible in the comics. Yeah. So that it's not just some crass marketing tie-in. It's a creative endeavor with the people that started this whole thing in the first place. That's great. So tell me about what new titles you have coming. So uh, right now we're working on uh, a monthly Tomb Raider series. Very cool. And uh, starting with issue seven, uh, Rihanna Pratchett, the lead writer of the Tomb Raider game, mm. has come on board as a co-writer with Gail Simone. Fantastic. And um, so we pick up pretty much right where the Tomb Raider game leaves off and follow Lara's journey, post the events on Yamatai and sort of see how all of that's affected her and how she's changing and how she's coming to terms with what happened there and 
we're going to be setting things up for the future of her story in upcoming games. So. We're also working on a series, Halo Escalation, that started written by Chris Slurf, lead writer of Halo 4. Then Brian Reed came on, who's the... Uh, lead writer on the Spartan Ops episode series. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. And Brian's just recently handed the, the baton off to really great comics writer Duffy Boudreau, and we're following the UNSC Infinity, Sarah Palmer, Thomas Lasky, that people will know from Forward Unto Dawn and Halo 4. On their continued adventures, post-Halo 4, we just did a three-part story with Master Chief called The Next 72 Hours that literally takes place immediately after the end of Halo 4. Uh, and so it's it's really great to see our comics extending the narrative of these big game franchises in a, in a really meaningful way. You know, we're, we're laying down track that isn't going to get pulled up again. That's fantastic. Well, congratulations, man, on the great job you're doing with Dark Horse. And thank you again for all your support over the years. And where can our listeners find Dark Horse Comics, of course? Darkhorse.com. Very cool. One final question, Dave. We always ask all of our guests here on the Bone Bat Show, man, what pisses you off? I think what pisses me off is comics readers that don't take licensed comics seriously, that don't give Mass Effect a chance because it's tied into a game. You know, that for too long, licensed comics have been a second tier because they didn't start in comics. And I I think that's, I think that what Dark Horse has done over its, you know, nearly 30 years of existence have, have proven that to be patently false, starting with things like the Aliens comics and continuing that's right. that tradition to today with books like Mass Effect that uh, it's all about telling great stories that matter to people. And if you put that first, it doesn't matter where it started, whether it was a game or a TV show or a movie. It's the quality that matters. Exactly. Again, thank you so much, Dave. Really appreciate your time. Thanks a lot. All right, once again, that was Shubzilla and Bill Beats with Round and Round off Dinner in a Movie. Following that, we had our interviews we revisited with uh, Tyler Seligman, who uh, was one of the creators of a game called Horde. You may remember a couple of years ago, the uh, Dragon Hoarding game. Oh, yeah. There was also a PlayStation thing. Uh, it's on Steam now. That's where I p- ended up picking it up. But they've got a brand new game called Darkest Dungeon. And I interviewed Dave Marshall, who is the editor of the video game division of Dark Horse Comics. So he had some interesting things to say. So Friday at PAX, first thing I did was I made a beeline for a new game coming out called Shadow of Mordor. I was sort of expecting Skyrim in Middle Earth, but instead it was a little bit more like a combat-y Arkham Asylum type of thing. Uh, in the game, you can target certain orc lords for defeat, and each lord has different powers. Once you defeat them, you get different upgrades, and each of the orc lords has minions that are defending them. So it's kind of a challenge to try to defeat the minions individually. Do you attack them at the same time in order to attack the final orc lord and defeat the forces of destruction? And uh, in the demo I played, I had the orc lord that I targeted hold up in this village. And so I finally get there and it turns out he was like standing right next to another orc lord. And so the two teamed up on me and I got popped. 
I ended up getting like wailed on right in front of a cliff where I couldn't escape. It was pretty brutal, but playing it that little bit was enough to make me want to play more. So I think I'm probably going to pick that game up ultimately. It's only out in a couple of weeks, so keep an eye peeled for Shadows Over Mordor. I believe it is from Warner Brothers Games. I read today that it's been delayed. What? Yeah. That's crazy, huh? Yeah, I don't know how long, like a day, a month, or a year, I don't know what the delay is, I just saw that, because you were talking up that game, and I was like, oh, sounds like a cool game, and then I saw a delay, but oh, poor Steve. <laughs> a couple other games, I played a game called Evil Within from Bethesda, which is kind of their new horror game, uh, it kind of reminded me of a cross between Alan Wake and Dishonored. Just the the little bit I played of it. Uh, It's very atmospheric, very creepy. You're wandering through this mansion and you're picking up uh, these different items, you know, power-ups and bullets and things like that. Zombies come after you and you take them down. They're pretty hard to kill, too. You can shoot them like three, four times until you finally get like the right headshot. So it's one of those things where ammo is at a premium. Ammo scarce and the ways to defend yourself are scarce. It makes for a very sort of tense atmosphere. Additionally, there are like spots where you can, I don't know, you kind of get sucked into this nightmare world like through mirrors, which was really I'm always afraid that's going to happen to me in real life. Yeah, I know. That was kind of cool. So it it definitely had a good vibe to it. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing more from that as well. Now, finally, I played a game, uh, a Sony exclusive called Bloodborne which is kind of like uh, reminded me, I guess, a little bit of God of War, that type of thing, or uh, Dante's Inferno. Was that it? The one where you're going into hell? Yeah, but this time you're not going into hell. You're, you're in this kind of old uh, Renaissance world where zombies and vampires seem to be taking over this village and the villagers are getting evil. And you're basically walking around with a great big scythe that you're using to reeve through all the baddies which was kind of fun i enjoyed that Uh, it's gonna be a playstation exclusives and you know we haven't decided if we're gonna go xbox one if we're gonna go ps4 i don't know yet but uh i don't know either but i do know that just within the last five minutes you actually use the infinitive to reeve and i've got to give you huge props for that strong work sir I thought you were going to ask me how goes it with the reaving, but <laughs> I believe that was reaping. <laughs> anyway, so uh, those were the games that I played on Friday morning. Then finally, a Friday night, uh, we went to, once again to the Lo-Fi for the annual post-PAX, during PAX, whatever you want to call it, Nerdcore show. Lots of fun, of course. Uh, Shubzilla and Bill Beats played there. That's where I got to interview them. Death Star, of course. Mega Ran played and Kirby Crackle. So it was like all the nerdcore you could stand in one evening. So much fun. Uh, Julie actually was totally funny because she's turning into a Kirby Crackle fangirl. I I have to say, Gord. I'm not surprised at all. Like, you know, she wasn't going to PAX. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go to PAX and then I'm going to go see Death Star and Kirby Crackle. She's like, what? Uh, what if I come into town and meet you? I'm like, absolutely. Let's do this. So she came in and went to the concert with me. That was great. I really enjoyed that spending time uh, with a lot of good friends in the nerdcore community, as well as my awesome wife. So very cool stuff. And Kirby Crackle played Take It From Me for once. Damn it. Although they didn't play Up, Up, Down, Down. 
I guess you could always nitpick, right? You can. You, you really You're never can. quite satisfied with that band. <laughs> I'm pretty, pretty satisfied. They played Dancing Baby Groot. <laughs> <laughs> We've got some interviews coming up here. Uh, I spent some time with Kevin, the president of Telltale Games, talking about their brand new game, Tales from the Borderlands. So why don't we check out this interview here? All right, this is Steve once again at PAX 2014, and joining me now is Kevin, the president of Telltale Games. Hello. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. No, no problem at all. Well, as I was just mentioning to you, we're huge fans of Telltale stuff. Played the heck out of Walking Dead, played the heck out of Wolf Among Us, and when I saw that you guys were taking on the license of Borderlands, I was so excited. So one of the things is that... Your games so far have always been like this emotional punch to the gut. Every episode, you're just like, oh my goodness, I'm still not overleaved. <laughs> I'm, I'm still to this day. And so to see that you're going to have a chance to play with something that has like a built-in sense of humor mm-hmm. was really exciting to me. Yeah, uh, yeah I think uh, a lot of people aren't familiar with uh, Telltale's earlier work. But with Sam and Max and Homestar Runner, of course, I forgot uh, about Sam and Max. How yeah, could I? Yeah, yeah. So we've we've got some comedy. And you've also packed up in Monkey Island. Yes. How, how in the hell did I forget that? Okay. Yeah. So uh, it's been a while since we visited comedy. Yeah. Which is actually really great because uh, after Walking Dead and Wolf Among Us, which are very serious pieces, yes, yeah. it's just really refreshing to get back into some comedy. And we, it is like we have this pent-up comedy that is all getting poured into this game. Well, i got to say, I laughed out loud like three times during ah, the fantastic. demo. So it's working very well. Yeah. And Borderlands has a really interesting sense of humor about it. It's like this, uh, it's kind of a dark comedy. It's very grounded in, in the world and in the situations. Yes. So it's like the characters kind of take themselves seriously, but they're pretty ridiculous. Yeah. So. Well, the character Reese, who's kind of the protagonist of the demos that we just right. played, is hilarious. He just has a great wry sense of humor to him. Yeah, a yeah. little bit skeevy. Yep. and a lot of fun to play. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, Reese. Reese is a Hyperion guy, and he's super ambitious, and just like everybody on at Hyperion, everybody on Pandora, he's working his way to the top. And in the game, he has just been smacked down by his boss. He's been demoted to janitor. He's kind of angry. He's kind of, but he still has kind of that swagger, of, yeah. you know, and that confidence. So he is working his way back up to the top. Well, and the colorful side characters as well. There's a character named Shane who's like this cross between Hunter S. Thompson and Don Knotts. Yeah, I just yeah. loved him. He yeah. was brilliant. Yeah, well, so Shane is from Borderlands 2. Yeah. And um, so there's lots of kind of uh, cameo appearances and more substantive appearances by a lot of Borderlands 2 characters. So, Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, Shade is just creepy and... Uh, <laughs> and it's, it's just awesome, like, when he's kind of leering over you the whole time. And what, what, another thing that's really cool about it is that the graphics are almost taken straight from Borderlands. I mean, there's no disconnect that you feel in that world. You're just, bam, there. Back in Pandora again. Yeah, uh, I think that's the uh, relationship between Telltale and Gearbox, where we have access to assets, to textures, to models. So we have all the reference we need to make sure that it's a very authentic Borderlands experience. Yeah, that's the word. It, it yeah. feels perfectly authentic. Yeah. I love that about yeah. it. That's what's super important to us. Like everything we do, we really want to make sure that it's grounded in what's important about about it. Mm-hmm. So 
Borderlands is easy for us because we're giant Borderlands fans. We've been playing it around the office. We're huge fans of Gearbox and have known those guys for a long time. So um, we really feel like we know what makes Borderlands tick. Absolutely. Now, it said at the end of the demo, it's coming pretty soon? Yeah, so Borderlands will be premiering this fall, and then it's a Telltale series. So uh, the first episode's this fall, and episode's about once a month after that. Nice. Really looking forward to it. And do you have anything new beyond that coming soon? Well, so we have Game of Thrones that uh, we've announced, but we really don't have any details about that. Uh, <laughs> That's kind of what I was steering towards. Yes. Uh, so you guys are killing it, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> we are very blessed, I think, to uh, have all this great stuff to work with and all these great stories to tell. Well, thank you so much for the great gameplay, yeah. man, because it really, yeah, as a gamer, to have these experiences, it is just really a high note, and the, the games are always memorable, and please keep it up. Ah, thank you. Well, one last question we always ask all of our guests here on the Bone Bite Show. Kevin, what pisses you off? I think what pisses me off is probably something as mundane as just bad driving. And, and <laughs> I, I am prone to maybe a, 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 a smidgen of road rage every now and then. It's yeah. fortunate that I don't have to drive very far to go to work. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, man. Well, thank you again so much for joining us on the Bone Bat Show. No problem. Once again, this is Steve from the Bone Bat Show here at PAX 2014. Kind of an after party at the Lo-Fi. Joining me now, Chubzilla and Bill Beats on the occasion of their brand new release, Dinner in a Movie. How you guys doing? Hey, we're good. Um, reeling. Reeling from our, from our uh, performance on stage. The crowd is fantastic here at the Lo-Fi. That was just a, a really great, powerful set. We had a wonderful time watching you guys. Now, you know Bill Beats from his work with Death Star, but for a long time, we've sort of been following Shabzilla on the Bone Bat Show. I remember a couple years ago, Gordon and I were just raving about how you kind of stole the set a little way from Death Star when you came on stage. <laughs> then, again, VPC Challenge. I think we played Baby Steps on the show, because yes! you just killed it two years running. And then, again, last year, you played with 9-1-K here at the same venue and did a great job. And so it's neat to see you kind of come in your own. My wife has just asked me, why haven't you had Chubzilla on? And I said, well, you know, I, I don't know that she has a full album to kind of carry a full show. And then tonight, you guys whipped it out. And here it is, the brand new album. So it's so thrilled to have, finally have you guys on. All right, well, thank you. Thank you. I mean, it was definitely a year, about a year-long journey. Roughly. Yeah, yeah, there's some... A lot of the beats are kind of mixed in with like brand new beats and then some old ones too mixed in. So it's just a good variety from both of us realistically. Yeah. So are some of the tunes polished uh, versions of VPC things or is it all fresh new stuff? All fresh. All fresh. Yeah. Very absolutely. cool. Yeah. I think the only, the only VPC track I performed tonight is Baby Steps. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, one of the things I think Gordon and I were both impressed about is the authoritarian tone when you take the stage. You just, your voice booms and you demand attention. And I love that. I love that you're commanding because that's what great front people do, you know, when they take the stage. And you do that very well. 
Thank you. Well, I, you know, working with um, Death Star, with Bill Beats, and also with Lex Lingo with um, our 9K1 gig, you kind of have to because I'm five foot four. They're at least like how tall are you? Six foot. Yeah. Yeah, but you're a Bill, titan in your core. Bill Beats is like yeah. six foot four, right? So he's at seven I mean, eight. Yes, he's seven eight, and he is out here towering over my little self. So I have to, I have to be big with my voice and with my movement. Otherwise, I just fade into the background, and I don't rap to fade in the background. Very nice. Well, you've definitely left an impression, I think, and I can't wait to really dig into this new album, because just seeing it for the first time tonight, I haven't heard it, so a lot of our listeners are going to be hearing it for the first time as well. Very cool stuff. Thank you. So, how did you build this album together? So, it, it kind of started as I knew her. Um, we were friends already. She was getting into rap. She was doing the VPC stuff. She had a couple ideas, or you had a couple projects where you were like, you know, the vampire one. It was like, we need like a vampire song or a true blood song. And she came to me and she's like, can you make this into a beat? Because <laughs> I don't really know anybody else that's going to be able to flip this like the way you flip them. So I flipped that beat and then we did the Hello Kitty song. I think we did a couple other random ones. Yeah. Just throwing beats at her. And then it got to a point where half of your live show for a while was my beats. So at that point we were just like, well, let's just make an album. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> so. Well, and it seems like you, you, in your digging, you come across a lot of like cool soul hooks and stuff like that. So it really is a different flavor than kind of the intense dance stuff. So it's neat to see that range that you bring to the table. Oh, right, yeah. We had a lot of, I guess, input, and we definitely did a lot of communicating back and forth in terms of what he's looking for in terms of the song and also what I'll write about. So, I mean, Frank Lloyd Wright was one of those that was, I think it was an older beat. It was, yeah. You gave you gave it to me, and you're just like, uh, here's a beat. And so I just went through and just recorded this and or recorded this. I wrote it first, and then, you know, and it ended up being a song I performed. Yeah. That, that also, with that song, was Frank Lloyd Wright. It was kind of the one that, at least for me, I was like, I don't know if I really like this because it was an older beat. Um, the beat's a little bit more wonky than the rest of the album. And for me, I was like, ah, maybe we should cut this, maybe make a new one. But she was like, no, let's do it. And it seems like, depending on the crowd, they love it. Like, mm -hmm. so if the, the hip-hop people are like, oh, that's kind of wonky, like how I felt about it. But all the nerdcore people, all of them love it for some reason. So I'm happy we left it. And I think that it definitely hits a certain crowd. So. Well, one of the new tunes I heard tonight that I hadn't heard before, Shub Zero, was fucking awesome. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Thank you. So we got to play that cut on the show. Sounds good. Um, that one is actually a Lex Lingo beat. Okay. So um, Lex Lingo, my partner in rhyme with 9K1, um, he raps, he sings, he produces. I always plug that he makes a delicious batch of doubled eggs. <laughs> he drinks, he smokes. He, he drinks, he smokes. I mean, he, the man does everything. He's Really, he's a renaissance man. Hashtag. Um, he's gonna kill me. But you know, that was one of the that was one of the beats when I first started working with Lex Lingo that he gave to me. And Chub Zero, the the hook actually was something that him and a couple of our other homies like kind of created. And we were just like, oh, we're now making a song with this. So. Very cool. Well, yeah, great tune. I love it. Thank you. All right, well, congratulations on the new release, guys. That's very awesome. And uh, where can our listeners go to buy the CD? So you can go to noirgrime.bandcamp.com. So that's N-O-I-R-G-R-I-M-E? Yes. Cool, .bandcamp.com. Okay. Yes. 
Cool. It's on noirgrime.com. There's a link to it. Is that your label? Yes, kind nice. of. Production crew, I guess. Very cool. Um, uh, it's kind of where all the videos are coming from, everything. Just kind of link everything together. Billbeats.com, you can find it. All of our Facebook pages. Yeah, so <laughs> it's face- everywhere. Yeah, so facebook.com forward slash Shubzilla MC. That's MC, just the letters. You can always um, message us and we'll send you the link. Yep. Cool. If you can't find it for some yeah. reason. I'll be helpful. Very cool. Well, thank you again for joining us on the show. And finally, one last question. Always ask all of our guests on the Bone Bat Show. Shubs, Bill Beats, what pisses you off? Oh, I hate it when people don't use their turn signal when they are driving. I do not care if you are in the country road. I do not care if you are on I-5 or wherever. Use your fucking turn signal. Like, I am not a mind reader. I don't claim to be Miss Cleo or anything. Turn signal, use it, or I will flip you off. I swear to God. See, now my heart's, like, palpitating. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to get you worked up. No, it's okay. It's fine. What about you, Bill? So, I'm going to keep mine simple. Two words. Stephen Perry. (laughs) Hey! 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 What song do you want us to play right now? Oh, gosh. Pick a tune off the new album. Jump and Such. Let's listen to it. Jump and Such off Dinner and a Movie. Too busy puffing titties, being mad, irritated Cause they 
more correct and they don't seem to understand that everybody on the floor's a night's only demand. Buy him a drink till the birds are hang loose. Take a break a second while we chug on Grey Goose. Uncross your arms and grab a blast. Let go, your worries are a thing of the past. Time to have fun and move to the beat. All the haters back, try to take a back seat. It's only for a little while if you love to rage. Pause what you're reading, bookmark the page. Never mind the chatter, tell your friends to dance. Have a good time, just give it a chance. There was a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, again, uh, several interviews for your enjoyment, followed by Shubzilla and Bill Beats. Again, you can get their music at shubzilla.bandcamp.com. Definitely should check out the new CD, Dinner and a Movie. So Saturday at PAX, dude, I started yeah. things off with one of your favorite game makers, Behemoth. I love those guys. And their brand new game, which is called, at the moment, Game 4. Because it's their fourth game. I get it. It is their fourth game. They actually, as I understand it, in, in the interview that you're going to hear shortly, uh, they had a title picked out for it, and at the last minute, they couldn't get the rights. So huh. now it's back to the drawing board. But uh, the game was super fun, dude. It's reminded me of, was that game called Hex Wars that we used to play, the one with the bugs in space? It was a turn-based strategy. Oh, yeah, you play it on the phones. Yeah. What yeah. Was, what was that game called? Um, it wasn't called Hex Wars, but I know what you mean. Maybe it was called Hex Wars. Space Hexen. Wars? Hex Space? Space Hex? I don't know. Something like that. It was the Steve doesn't do very well at tactical games game right. in space. So imagine one of those type of games, but with the same narrator, art style, and charm of Battle Block Theater. My goodness. So, the whole thing is you play a mild-mannered blueberry farmer whose village is being attacked, and he must defend himself. And so It's not a dingleberry farmer. No, it's not. It's a blueberry farmer. So, you end up building, like, a party with different types of warriors and taking on these different people as you're going through the land. At the same time, the story is unraveling to you as a huge, giant space bear has crashed on the planet. And its life is seeping into the earth, making for different kinds of life forms. And freaking crazy and inventive and wild, as you would imagine from Behemoth. Slightly different art style than before. Not so much the big heads and little bodies. Now it's little heads and big bodies. They totally mixed it up. <laughs> but they really mixed this one up, didn't they? Very much fun. You know, I don't know when it's going to come out. Behemoth Games, they always wait until it's ready before it's ready. But uh, it's going to be a, a fait accompli that I'm going to buy this game when it's available. So uh, keep an eye peeled on their dev blog uh, for more news. But uh, check out the interview here in a little bit and you'll find out more. Other stuff I got to play on Saturday. Uh, played a game called Lichdom. Have you heard of this one? 
I have not yeah, heard so, of this. So one of these first, it's like a, a super first person shooter. So all you see are the fists of fury of this badass mage. Basically, you're a wizard throwing fireballs and any other kind of spell you can come up with. And it's pretty badass because you can craft the spells yourself. So you make them pretty, you can make them pretty overpowered. All right. And it's pretty neat. And it's already available on Steam and it's like 15 bucks or something like that. It's definitely worth checking out this early in the game. And from what I understand, the more they add to the game, you've already paid for it. You get the game. So whatever they add, it's like a season pass. You're going to get all the great new stuff that they put out. So we got an interview with the creators of that one as well. So you can find out more about that. And also, we've got interviews with Paizo Games, uh, the new editor there. Also, with uh, the creators of a game called Interstellar Marines and uh, Alienware to find out what new computer and game system stuff they've got coming up. So, why don't we check out some of that stuff right now? Hey folks, once again, this is Steve from the Bone Bat Show here at PAX 2014, and joining me now is Aaron, the level and quest designer for The Behemoth. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. This is so exciting. New game. Oh my god, so going back like five years ago, Gordon and I went to San Diego Comic Con and interviewed Tom and Dan yeah. about Game 3. At yep. the time, it didn't have a title, and we played a little bit of it, we talked about it, we were really excited about it, and then... Next year, it came to PAX, and that wasn't quite ready yet, and it wasn't ready, and you guys were adding stuff and adding stuff. Yeah. And then 2014's been a huge year, because Battle Block Theater hit in a big, bad way on pretty much every way you can get it. it yeah, we, it's been uh, yeah, Steam and, yeah, Steam and, and, and XBLA Xbox the, and, uh, earlier. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then now you've already got another game. Yeah, and you know what is really exciting about it is it's further along than any game we've, we've shown the first time out the gate. Mm-hmm. I mean... We show our games super early. It just so happens that we're, we're sort of, we knew what we wanted mm-hmm. from game four much sooner. Yeah. And, and the pieces were in place. Um, you know, the, the narrator for, for Battle Block Theater, uh, it was just for the cinematics and, and everything, he was a huge part of what that game ended up being, but he wasn't there for the first three, four years. Yeah. You know, and I wasn't there as the lead level designer for the first couple of years. Uh-huh. So it just took time to, to sort of figure it out. But this time, I'm on board from the beginning. Uh, Will Stamper, the narrator's there. So that's Will Stamper. I was going to ask you what Absolutely. the name of the narrator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is such a huge part of Battle Block Theater. As to the vibe and the yeah. fun and the, he the, set the tone. Yeah, he for did, me. definitely I mean, did. I mean, he, he even inspired me to go back through levels and, and put in more traps and ways to trick the player, <laughs> just because it felt like that was, you know, that was the mood. <laughs> that was the, that was thematically appropriate for me to do that. Um, what a, what a lucky bit that is. Dan Paladin, the lead artist. And, and Will Stamper were roommates. Really? Yeah. So You're that's kidding. how. Yeah, and, and I mean they've both done stuff to Newgrounds, obviously. Uh, the Tom's Tom's site that, that everybody uh, has it's been going on forever. That used yeah. to be the YouTube of the internet back in the day. Well, and what he adds too is a distinctiveness that yeah. maybe you know off the top of my head, maybe a Dave Eddings claptrap from Borderlands. I, yeah, absolutely. The only other voice I can think of. Or Cortana, maybe in video games, this that distinctive and tied to that license or that game company, and so yeah. having him in your pocket, that's fantastic. It's another dimension. Like I mean, everybody recognizes Dan's art for being yes. so iconic. Uh, we've got a we've got a you know this art rotating above us right now in our yes. inner sanctum, and if you look at the the eyes on the characters from the last three games, 
it's the same eye. Like there's this, there's this style that's very distinctive, and to have that now in the in the realm of audio, you know, where people can just hear it and go, "Oh, that's a Behemoth game." Yes, that's so cool. Yes, that's it so great. very and, much. And is. it means that we can jump genres and and not miss a beat. People well, let's let's talk a little bit about, about that. Yeah, yeah, let's talk a little bit about. It. Okay, so game four is a hex uh, turn-based strategy. Yeah, which <laughs> I find thrilling. Okay, here here's the thing. Last two games, yeah. you got a combat and you got a level thing. Yeah. My son's kicking my ass because it's all fast reflex gaming. Now it's your time. Now Agent Guile can pay <laughs> off in this game. That's, that's funny. That sounds like me and my dad because I was the one that wanted a Nintendo back in the 80s, but he was the one that got me started on, on those old, uh, the old Gold Box RPGs yeah, back sure. in the day. So the, the turn-based strategy thing is so much up, more up his wheelhouse. And I'm also a big tabletop fan. So yeah. the fact that that Dan, who's our lead designer on this, just like he was for BattleBlock, um, is into this genre as well. That he is so omnivorous with the kinds of games that he likes means that my whole approach to design gets to be completely different this time. So, I mean, puzzles and platforming challenges, and now quest scenario design. You know, creating world maps. It, it's it's so refreshing to get to do something different every time. So, and, I, and it's and it's the first time we haven't done it, that it's not an action game. Yeah. You know, and and it's it's great how much interest there's still been in our in our core fan base despite the fact that you know who knows whether or not this is up their alley because we, we've we've been you know getting them in, invested in a completely different style of game yeah well i'm i'm thrilled because now i've Good. got a chance man <laughs> awesome so horatio is kind of the hero of the game he's a blueberry farmer he is a this, yeah farmer. yeah what what i played today yes and uh so he, he, we kind of go went through the first couple of levels, and then it's sort of medieval looking, like oh, you know, the fantasies that you played. And yes. then a spaceship falls <laughs> out of the sky, a space shuttle, and crashes. And so there's this time bending element about it. Yes, yes, it's 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 amazing. We get the the leeway because the, that, I don't know if you got that in, uh, intro cinematic, but the. The, there's a cosmic bear whose yes. blood is now raining upon the planet and mutating. It's a dead bear, right? He's it's dead-ish dead. at this point. Oh, I mean, dead-ish. He's, he's, he's got so <laughs> he's much of a life force. He's mostly dead. He's, yes. <laughs> I mean, yes, you did see his, his brain was exposed lying on the planet. But I don't know. He's got so much life in him. He is, he's actually changing the world and creating new forms of life, right? And really, that's just a big excuse for us to do whatever we want, which is I so exciting as a, as a quest designer because I can really justify things no matter what I do, right? Yeah. And it, as it means, you mentioned in the demo, the rules don't apply. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I definitely, don't get me wrong. If I set up a premise where I say, do this to win, I don't want to jerk you around too much. Yeah. But it does mean that I can surprise you. You know, you might see the at the onset of a quest or a storyline, I know how this is going to play out. And that never has to be true. <laughs> and, I, and I try not to actually spoil any of the people on our team so I can see if that reaction is, is that surprise. Because I really want people to get to a point where instead of just skipping through the quests like like it becomes customary to uh, in a lot of other games, um, it's something I'm guilty of, mm -hmm. just like skipping past, I want you to be like, you know, I want to actually know what's going on because I, I really don't know what to expect here. Yeah. You know, and I want it to feel like the sort of scenarios that could only be in a behemoth game, just yeah. like our cinematics really wouldn't fit anywhere else. Well, and I love the possibility that there can be perhaps a behemoth universe where maybe like there's an alien hominid cameo <laughs> in this game, or maybe a Castle Crashers cameo. That would be shit hot. It'd be awesome. And, I, and it's funny, we've been talking about it like the like the Marvel Universe. Right? Yeah, exactly. They've been building that up. And we've kind of got this, at this point, four games in, we've got a real 
a big canon yeah. of settings and characters to draw on. Absolutely. I and mean, you've got, we always as want you to mentioned, do something new yeah. because Dan doesn't want to keep drawing the same guys <laughs> for years. As the only artist, really. Sure. Uh, I mean, he's had help here and there, but it's like he doesn't want to be stuck doing those same characters over and over and over again. So I won't lean on him too hard, but I absolutely would love to have cameos and things. That'd be yeah. great. Well, and like you mentioned, contiguous art style, contiguous yep. narration, it all sort of fits a universe, and I like that feel. Well, it's all sort of through a bizarro filter. Like, the, the proportions of the characters in this one are very different, but it still has that same aesthetic. Yeah. So, like, the cute little trolls in Castle Crashers, you remember yes. those little, little black guys? Well, they're in Game 4, but they're like through a, a mythological lens of how they might really have looked. So now they're brawny and scary, but they have that same basic look to them. Uh, it, it's great. It, it's, uh, it's like you're getting to see Dan's art through a different lens. And Very he's really fun. excited to be able to take his stuff in a different direction. So it's not quite as cutesy as it was before, but it's still got that sort of wide-eyed innocence in the characters. Yes. Like Horatio. People have gotten attached to him. You have an opportunity in the demo to switch what he looks like. And I've actually noticed people not wanting to change. Yeah, I don't think I would. Yeah. Because you're, you're shearing off his mustache. Even if it's to make his head look awesome with some awesome hat or helmet that yeah. you've gotten. You know, it's yeah, great with that people Battle get attached Block. that quickly to those characters. Yeah, with Battle Block, since the characters were more generic, you right. felt like you could make it your own. But Horatio comes with his own personality. Right. He's not a cipher. And so you kind of want to ride that out. You yeah. know, if Behemoth has done us the generous task of creating an awesome character, why not enjoy that? Right, but what I really like is because you get to build up your team, mm -hmm. you, uh, so once you, I mean, you were doing the tutorials, but after that, when you are exploring the world map, you get to recruit, quote-unquote, more characters with recruitment cages. And uh, <laughs> what I like about that is, it's just like in Battle Block Theater, there are hundreds of different helmets and hairstyles and faces that you can put on your characters. And like, like you were saying, I don't want to change up those core characters necessarily, so I want to get more people on my team. That those are my yeah, okay. those are my guys. Although I could also change it up and have you know spider women or cupcake men or, or whatever other bizarre creatures that I want to have uh, they're out in the world. Anything you see, you can basically have on your team, which is really nice. exciting. Um, and that's that plays into sort of the, the complexity. You can add as much of that as you want because the, all the nuance comes into how you build your team how you position your units and how they play off of each other. Mm. Um, you're, you're, we're talking about it's a turn-based game, but it's also a very fast-paced turn-based game because you aren't going through selecting every little bit of minutia and targeting and, and what ability and where and when. It all sort of plays situationally, yeah. depending on how you position your guys, where they are in relation to the other guys, what sort of hex they're standing on, which means you can do everything from create a balanced team and throw them across the map and hope for the best, and sometimes that works. Or you can really say, okay, I'm going to have my back line of, of cupcake men and dynamite archers, and then my front line uh, gnomes holding wood shields that are going to block first and then launch my, my mid-tier guys across the battlefield. So you can really get into the minutiae if you want to. It's there yeah. for you. Um, and I, I've really seen a great response, not only from newcomers to the genre here at the show, but people that are, are genre fans, which mm -hmm. is so validating. We weren't sure yeah. how people were going to take it. Well, um, and you might also get crossover to, like, the hardcore, crunchy Warhammer fans and things like that from Tabletop. I hope so, because I'm one. Yeah, and absolutely. I, I, I enjoy the game, so if I feel like I can get into it, yeah. um, you know, I mean, I don't think we quite get to the level of, like, Mech Warrior, right. you know, activate <laughs> this battery <laughs> and watch your heat sinks, because that's on a hex, too. But, right. um, 
But there would be a natural comfort level of, hey, I can play this. This is awesome. We have a really broad range of experience. We've got everything from hardcore strategy fans on the team to, you know, Dan is, like I said, he, he enjoys a, a wide variety of games, but he really does, like, accessibility is sort of the cornerstone of Behemoth. Like, we, every game, what we try to do is we try to bring modern polish and accessibility so that anybody can play with anybody, you know, on a couch and have a good time. Yeah. And that's why, even though it's a strategy turn-based game, it's a co-op game, too. Mm-hmm. So you can sit there and each build your own team and either choose to support one another or you can be the jerk that takes nothing but di- uh, giants that are going to, you know, batter up, knock back his troops right. into awkward positions. You can do that, too. So that's great. And you go at the same time. Mm-hmm. So that downtime is, is not really a problem, either. You don't lose anything by having another person. Right. Which is really great. Well, i got to say, I'm very excited to play more of this game. Thank you. So I, I know better than to ask Behemoth when the next <laughs> game is coming out, but do you have anything uh, to tell our listeners what to expect? Well, I wish... I mean, like I said, we are further along mm. coming into this, so it's great that we don't have to be, you know, saying, uh, well, <laughs> we don't really know where we are. But in truth, it is one of those things where, because it's a new genre, it's, it's hard to really know how far we are, because okay. we've never done something like this before. But our listeners but can the follow the dev, the dev blog. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of keep up on where you guys are at in the design process. Yeah, and rest assured, like, I feel like what we, what we brought is a pretty polished version of, of what could be in the final game. So that's really exciting. Because we spent six months to, the first six months to a year, just focused on uh, mechanics. And, and Dan has gotten to the point where he can actually create a new unit from scratch. And he knows how to run the metrics on it. So he can have an idea and, and balance it really quickly now. So it, I think right now, it's gonna, the content's just going to blow up. You know, me great. and my team are going to just keep on throwing together new <laughs> scenarios. And, and because the, the world is constantly changing, we've got a variety of world maps you get to explore. So it should be should be pretty huge, but I feel like we're further along than, than we have any right to be based on our previous <laughs> games, which is exciting. I'm so it excited. It is, yeah. It's, having played that, I, like I said, I'm thrilled. I want to play more. Awesome. All right, man. Well, one, one last question we always ask all of our guests here on the Bone Bash Show. Aaron, what pisses you off? <laughs> Right now, it's hard to say anything pisses me off. I, I mean, there have been some people I've heard that, that walk by the booth and go, oh, strategy. No, not my thing. Really? You know? I oh, mean, wow. it, it is a beloved genre, but it's, it's classically been a niche genre. And I just feel like saying, look, <laughs> give us five minutes of your time, you know? Get on the microphone and say, What's it going to take to put you yeah. in a behemoth game today? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Installment plans. I, uh, yeah, I, I think that if people... Even if it's not your genre. Same thing with YouTube comments, right? It's like, yeah. oh, this sort of thing. I know what this is. Uh, you might be happily surprised. I, you know, my wife was not a platformer fan. And I got her to play Battleblock Theater with me. And it's just, that's our whole thing, is we want to make sure that those stumbling blocks that are in the way for most people to enjoy some of these more niche genres, uh, we do what we can yeah. to sort of to, to round those off and, and then have that depth in there if you seek it out. Right. So, yeah. Well, fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much for the demo and for spending time with us on the Bone Bat. Sure thing. Really Thank you appreciate for coming it. By. Absolutely. Again, this is Steve from the Bone Bash Show here at PAX 2014. And joining me now is Tim Lindsay from Exevian Games. Yes, Xavier uh, Games. We're just here talking and just did a demo of Lichdom Battle Mage. And yes. I had a great time playing this game. This is a game is, well, you describe it, 
I, you kind of had me at a badass mage. Yes, I think. unmitigated badass mage experience. <laughs> no mana bars, no cooldowns. Craft your spells the way you want. Blow stuff up. Like I was telling you, I, I found it very cool that you're just immediately into the action. Absolutely. And that, not that we don't like that style of gaming, but there's so much now where you, you do some battle and then you spend a lot of time swapping stuff out and, you know, messing around with, oh, is this sword better than that sword? And with yep. this... There's not a lot of that. You're just in the action, and then you can take a look, and you can craft spells at really an exponential level, yes. which will give you the ability to create some really OP builds, which I think is really cool. Yes, yes, that's the goal with it all, is for uh, players to be able to collect pieces so that they can craft spells that suit their own playstyle, and that the, so that the experience is very much uh, an expression of their creativity and cleverness with how they combo everything together. So it's very fast-moving, very Absolutely. brisk. Uh, Great graphics, and uh, I liked the, there's kind of a, a Syrian, Middle Eastern, Ray Harryhausen kind of Jason the Argonauts feel to oh, it, yeah. which yeah. I find really appealing as well. Yep, yep. Um, our world has lots of different destinations, lots of different looks, and that's just a small peek and, uh, you know, one of the uh, strong regional aesthetics that we have. Very cool. So, when, now currently... Tell us about, is the game available now? Yes, it was released Tuesday on Steam, actually. Oh, August awesome. 26th, so, yep. Very cool, Ready so our listeners can pick it up now. Right now, absolutely, yes. Fantastic. Was well, there anything else you'd like to tell our listeners about the game? Well, I guess we're super proud of it. It's actually the product of a uh, six-month uh, Steam early access cycle where we interacted with the uh, community um, every single day. Uh, the product that's playable right now is a product of our interaction with a uh, small group of super invested, uh, super badass uh, players, and we're super proud of it. <laughs> well, I can't wait to play more. Absolutely. This is right. going to be a blast. And thank you to Dan for setting this up. I really appreciate it. And uh, one last question we always ask all of our guests here on the Bone Bash Show. Tim, what pisses you off? Empty coffee pots. <laughs> <laughs> Who ever drinks the last cup? I know, it doesn't you replace You gotta make a guy. new pot, right? Exactly. I mean, shouldn't exactly. that be just common knowledge by now? It should be. Just standard etiquette? I, you would think so, but uh, it seems like at least once a week you walk in, the <laughs> pot's just there burning, and there's no one in the cafe, you know, anywhere around, so... Yes, that's what pisses me off. All right. Well, where can we find your stuff? Uh, okay, Xavian.com, Lichdom.com. How do you spell that? So X-A-V-I-A-N-T.com. That's right. Okay. Lichdom.com, L-I-C-H-D-O-M.com. And, and search uh, for that on Steam, right? You got it. Cool. Well, Excellent. thank you so much again for joining us on the Bone Bash. My pleasure. Once again, this is Steve from the Bone Bat Show here at PAX 2014, and joining me now is Wes, editor-in-chief of Paizo Games. How you doing, man? Not bad. Thanks for having me, man. Oh, thank you. I gotta say, uh, Paizo, of course, has supported four of our Comedy Force Film Festivals with prizes. Uh, we've played Pathfinder games at our Bone Battle gaming tournaments, and it's always been a really fruitful partnership. We love you guys, and when I heard you're going to be at PAX, I wanted to give you the opportunity to talk about the new hotness, because this year has been really big. I mean, you guys, of course, you're known for the role-playing, and you do just a brilliant version of that. 
lovely art, concise, decisive rules, very much a gaming clarity that you bring to the table. And so this year, the adventure card game, which we played at Bone Battle. Also, I hear you've got video games coming on the horizon, a lot of big stuff. Let's talk about that. So really the biggest thing out of you, you hit on really some of the, the high t- ticket items there. The biggest thing for anybody who's really into the Pathfinder RPG is our new release that just debuted at Gen Con here a week and a half ago. It's our advanced class guide. It's 10 new classes for the Pathfinder role-playing game. It's the largest number of classes that we've introduced to the RPG really since our core rulebook. Nice. Um, The big thing with it is that they're all classes that we wanted to make sure that they all felt like things that had a place in the game, that just things that, you know, we didn't want to do like crazy out there, you've never heard of it, what is the sort of thing, ideas. These are more concepts like the hunter or the shaman or the arcanist, things that feel like they would stand up right next to the wizard or the rogue or the fighter. Mm -hmm. So the book introduces 10 more of these classes to the Pathfinder RPG, as well as tons of ways that characters who are already invested in the game, playing the game, so on and so forth, Mm -hmm. can make use of a bunch of these really neat new abilities. Really pretty exciting. A few of the names that we've got in there, we've got a shaman character, we've got an investigator who's got a very kind of Call of Cthulhu vibe to him. Nice. Uh, a hunter who's like the, the Ur-Archer, um, so on and so forth. So that's been really exciting and folks have really been taking the vote. Very cool. And you also have a new core box, I noticed, for Pathfinder Adventure Card Game. We do, which has been like, we've kind of been floored by how popular the Adventure Card Game is. You know, we did Rise of the Rune Lords, yes. um, tested it out, and people just couldn't get enough of the right. card game. So for a while there, there was something new coming out every other month here. Mm-hmm. Now we started out with an entirely new base set for it. It's the Skull and Shackles version of the Pathfinder Adventure card game, where the original set is much more traditional fantasy monsters, wizards, swords and sorcery. Skull and Shackles takes a much more high seas, piratical <laughs> adventure, uh, sailing around, fighting sea monsters sort of take to it. It's based on the Skull and Shackles adventure path, which we did in the Pathfinder Adventure Path for the role-playing game several years ago. But aside from just being a new theme to what you saw in Rise of the Rune Lords, it introduces a lot of new elements to it, like ship-to-ship combat and sailing around and exploration like that. But well, that's pretty it cool. still brings in a bunch okay. of stuff that you know and love from the original game. Well, and I like the fact that, that now that you've seen, hey, you know, we can try different flavors of this, uh, I'm thinking a horror version of the core game can't be too far behind. That would be awesome. Well, it's definitely on the table. We just announced what the next one's going to be at Gen oh, okay. Con. So we're going to be doing the Wrath of the Righteous uh, version of the, of the adventure card game here, which is much more Crusaders in the World Wound, which is our demon-infested area. So okay, okay. it's going back to some of the more like traditional fantasy tropes, but it's also going to be in- introducing some more extreme elements to it. So, nice. Yeah, look forward to that. Uh, Early, like early next year. Very cool. Okay, and let's talk a little bit about the video game side of things that you've got coming. So, part of the success of the uh, adventure card game is it really got the folks at Obsidian Entertainment excited about the game. You guys might know them from like 
every awesome video game what there was, like for <laughs> RPGs. I mean, they did like Neverwinter Nights, they did Fallout, they've just oh, okay, Planescape yeah, Torment. Sure. Um, like anybody who's been like a fantasy RPG fan and, and computer game player is probably familiar with Obsidian. So we just signed a deal with them for pretty much seeing what there is, what we can work together on. What they've already got in the works is a tablet version of the Pathfinder Adventure card game. Cool. Um, so we've just showed that off at Gen Con here a little bit. It's only in its early days, but they've got a lot of exciting stuff put together for that already. They've got the whole card game. You can play it all there, but then they've got scenes in the background where like, you can see birds flying by, and it's animated oh, that's cool. and whatnot. It's really something neat to see. <laughs> but there's not a demo version out for it yet, but we're going to be working on having something in the next few months here. So, uh, yeah, stay tuned. We should have some neat stuff to show off here. Fantastic. Well, again, congratulations on all the great new stuff you've got forthcoming, and thank you again for all the support over the years. I'm hoping we can do a lot more with you guys and also help you get the word out about awesome new Pfizer products. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You bet. And one last question. We always ask all of our guests on the Bone Bat Show, West, what pisses you off? Oh, people that don't spell check their documents. <laughs> spell check. Always spell check. That's a good one, and nobody's used that one yet, so that's awesome. All right, man. Well, thanks again. Here at PAX 2014, and joining me now is Karsten Bosserol from Zero Point Software. Why we break games? <laughs> who is uh, about to unleash a game called Interstellar Marines on the world. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. How are you? Very well. I'm having a great time at PAX. Me uh, too. Me too. And uh, I've had a chance to play a little bit of Interstellar Marine. Uh, on the show, we're big champions of independent game designers. And so when I saw what you guys had and the, the level of polish on the game, I wanted to talk to you. So tell our listeners a little bit about the game. Yeah, so actually we have been released for a while on early access. You know, with a P-Alpha build, and we still consider ourselves being P-Alpha. Uh, but Interstellar Marines, at its core, is a uh, it's immersive, sim immersive simulator. Uh, first person, obviously, uh, that's going to be heavily focusing on the, uh, the co-op game mode. Uh, where you play with your friends and you be very tactical, you're moving in formation, maybe you put down suppressive fire, and uh, you can do that in, in the beginning at least in a uh, simulated training environment for the best of the best soldiers in the future's uh, NATO, called in this case called ITO. They just got the best soldiers in the world. They want to make the best soldiers uh, become these interstellar marines that are supposed to be able to uh, be inserted in space stations, spacecrafts on a different planet, be the first one to encounter a potential alien threat. So really a bunch of badasses. <laughs> and it's built up in, in episodes or in, in campaigns. So the first one is the whole training where uh, you're constantly evaluated and you're pushed to the max, but you're and you're like uh, you're shooting uh, different kinds of enemies, uh, uh, robots, combat robots that will attack you melee and, and with guns. Uh, there's going to be Titan Walkers. They're going to be uh, uh, genetically modified creatures. Uh, those are like the finale of the training, and they will actually try to kill you. Or compared to where you're, you're training against other soldiers or the robots, you're shooting taser rounds because you're not meant to kill. And uh, but there's a big thing in the story. Uh, you know, they, they, 
the chief scientists that the general one is they're not you know completely clean but they have their motives you know and so you can't really blame them and all that but at the end of training you will really be put to the max as this marine and if you don't succeed you will die but that's the whole purpose at least that's what these guys they want they want to have the best of the best those who survive they're apparently the best ones so once you complete all this uh, you go into the next campaign. That's why you go to space or go to hostage uh, rescues or uh, terrorist missions. I mean, all kinds of missions. And the story is going to take you further and further into space. And at some point, we're actually going to go back to Earth and without spoiling too much. Uh, at some point, you might even meet some uh, dark little green men, but you probably know what I mean. Some aliens. Yeah. <laughs> so very immersive game, or you want to feel? Have you feel? Uh, you live and breathe as this marine. It's a first-person shooter. There's tons of first-person shooters out there, and they're all generic and all these things. So we have some small things where we really want to set ourselves apart. So you're forging this badass army. Yes. Now clearly there must be a reason. Talk a little bit about the baddies that you're going to have to fight. Well, the iconic creature uh, that we have shown, that's the land shark, or the shark dog, or all the funny names, I can't even pronounce the, uh, I think it's a conterative polymus, that's what it's called, <laughs> and basically it's a genetic modified creature that you take the worst or the most fierce predators on earth, put it all in one package, <laughs> and you got a badass creature, right? And they're, they're one of the, the, like, the main enemies you're going to be facing okay. in the prologue, but these are like, they're created for training purposes, to, you know, those who survive encounter with one of those, you know, they're, they're approved. I mean, if you're an Aliens fan, I'm not saying they're like the Aliens, but this game is going to be so brutal. It'll be that level of intensity. It's going to be that level of intensity, and it's going to be more brutal than any other co-op game you played out there, because we want the player to play the game. We don't want the game to carry the player through a mission, and when you're dead, <laughs> there's no medic left to patch you up. You're dead. You're out of the game. And the three of your friends or two of your friends, they have to carry it. So it's going to be brutal. Well, I'm really looking forward to playing more. So tell me, you said it's pre-alpha now. Yes. When can our listeners expect to purchase this game? Well, they can purchase now on Steam Early Access. It's just important for us that they, they really know what Steam Early Access is all about. What, what they're getting. Exactly. exactly. Because it is a very, you, you're paying a very amount of money, which could, in many cases considered like a buying full release game. But What's the what is the price the, for the pre right now? It's seventeen dollars. Okay, and it's slowly going up in price as we add more content. And once we have added all the campaigns, the game is going to be up just somewhere between forty and sixty dollars. Okay, so it's going to be uh, growing, uh, price is going to go up. So okay. while you're on early access, the earlier you buy, it, the cheaper you get it, and you get full access to the whole game, all the expansions. Oh, nice! And that's of course it's a thing for players for supporting us. Why we need the money the most right now when we need to develop it. Yeah. So they can get it right now. It's just important that they really, uh, you know, look for the videos, check out the uh, the screenshots, ask the community members on the forums. They're really, really good at being objective about this. Okay. And uh, they'll happily help you out, make the right decision. Yeah. So where can our listeners find more information about the game? On Steam Early Access. So go to Steam Early Access and look up Interstellar Marines. And uh, yeah, you're on your way. Perfect. Okay. And Karsten, one last question we'd like to ask all our guests here on the Bombat Show. What pisses you off? What pisses me off? Uh, latency. <laughs> uh, it's uh, nah, It's actually because our game right now, we don't have lag compensation. And it's sort of annoying our players a lot because there's no compensation and there's a bullet delay. And if you're not playing on a, a local server, like in your backyard server, 
it's going to be hard. You have to lead your target a lot. And yeah. it's frustrating our players. And the lag. And it's, it's, I feel the pain. I, it pisses me off. And I'm like, I mean, the head of the developers, and they're back at me saying, we're doing everything we can. And I'm like, come on, you got to do more. And they're like, come on, we, we also got to stay at some point. You know? <laughs> it, it's cool, but, you know, our fans are there in my throat, you know. And, uh, but we're going to get that. All right, man. Well, thanks for joining us on the show. Pleasure, really appreciate man. it. forthcoming in the very near future. Absolutely. So we're really excited. For the first time in a long time, we brought back the Area 51, our flagship desktop. So now, this is like the gaming computer. Absolutely, absolutely. It is uh, the most powerful system we've ever had. And it was designed for the DIY community, for hardcore gamers, for folks who want the best of the best in a desktop gaming system. Okay. Now, there's lots of callouts. Uh, as far as the Area 51 is concerned. And I'll start with the technology because the chassis is what it's really about. We actually partnered with Intel and we unveiled their new Intel Haswell E family class processors. Okay. Which come in six or eight core processors. Eight core. Eight cores, that's right. That's right. And um, with hyper threading, you can get 16 threads wow. running off of one of those CPUs. Now, the magic goes beyond the CPU. With that platform, we've also introduced DDR4 memory, which can be had in up to 32 gigabytes and in quad channel. The system can support up to three full-length dual-wide graphics cards, either in AMD or NVIDIA. Okay. Um, essentially, we built the machine to support any kind of 4K gaming experience, all the way to a 12K gaming experience with a surround or, or iFinity setup. So the next generation of gaming is covered in then some. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, I think a lot of the hardcore gamers, they expected us to be here and have this kind of performance. What they may not have expected was the new chassis. So our new chassis, which has been dubbed Triad, that's the code name for the actual design, was designed and developed over two main principles, best-in-class ergonomics and optimized thermal management. As part of the ergonomics story of the chassis, we made sure that a lot of the, the problems or a lot of the, the nuances of the traditional rectangular chassis were addressed. So if you look at the front I.O. of the machine, all of these, all of these ports, including the optical drive, are facing me. I'm right. sitting on a chair, they're all facing me. If this were a rectangular chassis, I'd probably have to do one of these. Yeah, and I'm like, you know, right, right. Yeah. I don't have to do that. I'm way more comfortable. Right. If I had to look at the rear ports, this right here could be easily pulled back. You could pivot the system forward. And I could access any of these ports really easily. It's very different than your traditional rectangular chassis. The traditional rectangular chassis might have one to two inches between itself and the wall. So all the exhaust that's coming oh, out of yeah, the rear the pyramid just kind of gets trapped and yeah, trapped. Of course. And you'll have dust collecting over time. And it just gets really messy. It degrades your fans, which will rise and make the temperatures inside rise, hurting performance, hurting your components. The fact that it has a diagonal in the back allows air to escape with more freedom. That means less dust collecting over time. That means your fans are in better shape 
internal components are happier overall. As somebody who, in the last six months, has had to take my PC apart and like re-gel the heat sink and shit, that totally <laughs> speaks to me. I get where you're coming from. Yeah. So, that's pretty exciting, but it's also terrifying because now I'm going to have to buy a new computer, Eddie. Oh, man. <laughs> well, hey, I mean, you know, you can start saving because it won't be available until October, so okay, you got some time. Okay, I've got some time. Okay, cool. <laughs> now, a lot of chassis designs, you'll notice getting into the box might not be so easy. Yeah, this you're system, looking at six screws, four screws, something like that, to get a panel off. Is that what you go through? Yeah, sure. you do it? Yeah. Man, well, check this out. I can do this with, well, I need a thumb. I guess I need two fingers. You need a thumb, right? So, I can do this, and it's over. It's over. It's over. So yeah, it's, Eddie just flipped so, a switch and yeah, the side Yeah, he literally panel pushed a button and it popped off. off. It popped off. So I was able to remove the door with a cable-free toolless design. And what you see is a huge opening. That great big I area. Mean, if, you, if you see this, the, circulation. That, that actual opening is gigantic. And we, did, we designed it that way intentionally. Now you'll notice that on this side, some pretty cool stuff going on in there, such as a liquid-cooled processor. That's a standard feature of the chassis. You'll notice on the bottom left, there's an integrated wireless. That's an Intel-made 802.11ac wireless. That's also a standard feature of the chassis. And all the way in the bottom left, that big box, that's a 1.5 kilowatt power supply with modular cables. So whether you buy a single graphics card option, a dual graphics card option, or triple, because it has modular cables, you'll have a very clean setup inside. By having a clean setup inside, you have, you're providing more airflow to the critical components. Uh, you'll notice that on this side, we don't have any storage drives. Okay. So that's, that was done intentionally as well. The storage drives are on the other side of the system. Wow, okay. So on the other side, you could very comfortably support two solid state drives, and three traditional rotating magnetic drives. Now, it's not only cool to look at, but the fact that these parts are wired on the other side, again, means that you have less wires on the side where you have the most critical components. Right. Which is again a benefit that enables better airflow throughout the chassis. It's certainly impressive. So when again, for our listeners, does it come out? So it'll be available in October and we'll start shipping in November. Okay, so you can start pre-ordering soon. We don't have a pre-order going on right now. Okay. You'll have to wait till it actually launches. Okay, in October. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, like we were just talking, you know, I've got this huge, ridiculous Steam list of games now. Now, this is perfect for when I'm, I'm in my office, I'm in my man cave, and I want to play through that. But what if I want to take those games to the living room? Well, you should check out the Alien Alpha, which actually does have a pre-order right now. <laughs> and Dan can tell you a little bit about that. Yeah, so the Alienware Alpha was basically the result of customer feedback. So basically, Alienware for years has been hearing from customers that uh, they wanted some way to play their PC games in the living room. It's just, it's been difficult thus far. Um, UI has been a challenge from Windows to Linux, anything you might want to run for an operating system. Um, control. Control is difficult in a living room. If you want to be on a couch playing, it's hard to get a keyboard and mouse or uh, all that. So, there's been a few challenges that have kind of stopped 
the proliferation of PC gaming systems in the living room. And Alienware, they've built uh, HTPCs throughout the years to try to satiate you know, those customer needs. And then um, a couple years ago, the X51 system that we still make. So an awesome, smaller form factor system that's pretty close to current gen consoles. And it's a great system to put on your desk or in front of your TV if you want more of a PC modable experience. Right. Um, We've kind of taken those learnings throughout the years and spent about three years roughly working on the Alpha. And so this was the purpose designed to go in your living room and not only go in your living room, but look good and perform in your living room. Cool. So uh, the thermal envelopes that they targeted was to target 1080p, you know, high settings on your titles or television, but also be thermally efficient enough to sit inside a component rack under your television on top of your DVR. Um, where there's not as much airflow, right. so there's a unique design. So the box itself is about eight by eight by three. So wow. roughly around the size of a Nintendo Wii, if you think yeah. about it, but smaller, more of a square. So it's impeccably stylish form factor. That's still very Alienware, but also not uh, intrusive in your living room. It's also incredibly quiet because that is a big, big factor when you're trying to play games and leave a system always on in a living room environment. You know, you don't want your significant other complaining, what is that whining when I'm watching TV shows? Um, so that is one of the other factors. So it has a cooling system that basically pulls air in from the bottom surrounding the chassis and it's standing on front of the beam and it vents out the back. And the thing is ultimately quiet, stays very cool under pressure. We actually um, picked the CPU architecture as long, along with working with NVIDIA on a custom GPU solution that's based off uh, their Maxwell technology, specifically for the Alpha to deliver the performance that PC gamers demand, but also be thermally efficient and quiet enough to run in your living room. Well, that's what I wanted to ask, because with the footprint that small, will it pack the power to play any game I want to play? Absolutely. So we're actually working right now to get some uh, performance comparisons out there so people can actually see this versus you know some of the other incumbents that are out there. But right now, um, I think in our booth, we have Metro Redux, which was just upgraded yeah, to basically right. take advantage of all the new uh, GPU capabilities nowadays. And you can play all these games on high settings. We played AAA titles down to the Indies. And that's another big point of Steam and um, their big picture mode, also their library. And one of the main reasons that we designed the system was to open up this collection of amazing indie titles that are being developed and a lot of gamers don't even know about. Yeah. Especially if you're in your living room and you're playing console primarily, you may not have heard of Broforce or Gauntlet. Which is, a lot, which is a lot of fun. A lot of fun. We were actually just playing Street Fighter and another part that makes this interesting is a lot of PC gamers don't even know that their titles, that you can hook up multiple controllers and play co-op games with your friends next to you on the same PC. And so we have titles like Gauntlet yeah. that it, um, we've been showing off where four people can hey, grab a controller. Hey, Dave. Same, um, playing Street Fighter against yeah. each other. And so those are experiences that you don't really get sitting at your computer desk. Right. And so that's really where this is targeted, really expose people to those indie titles. Um, Steam itself offers tremendous value in terms of the games that you can uh, purchase, the sales, 
it's always... It's all about the games. Yeah. yeah. People play games. They don't play devices. Yeah. What's yeah. funny, this is the third time this PAX I've heard somebody mention Broforce, and I'm not familiar with it, so i got to look that oh, up. Oh, dude, we have a couch set up it's out there. It's a blast. We'll go play some Okay, we'll go check together. that out. It's like an 8-bit game, but it's so much fun. So when are you thinking that the Alpha will be available for our listeners? So the Alpha is actually available to pre-order now. So nice. you can go online. It starts at 549, and that config is the one that we're running out there. You can have fun, play with your friends. It's more than performant enough for your living room. And uh, we expect to be shipping around the holiday season this year. Nice. Very cool. Okay. So one final question. We always ask all of our guests on the Bone Bash Show. Dan, Eddie, what pisses you off? Man, should I go first? Uh, mine's pretty mild. I live in San Francisco, so rent prices in San Francisco <laughs> okay. piss me off. All right. It's terrible. Yeah. Absolutely terrible. I live in sunny and beautiful Miami, but we do have traffic issues. And the one thing that really pisses me off is when people don't use their turning signals. I mean, seriously, WTF. Come on. He rides bikes. Use your turning signal. You ride bikes? Oh, yeah. I'm a triathlete, yes. Yeah, that's that's a danger, man, because you don't know, and they don't look. That's right. And for those of you who can't see, Eddie also looks like Xerxes. He has an impeccable Uh, beard. No, if you're going to go that route, I prefer uh, Leonidas. Oh, there you go. Nice. All right, gentlemen. For, well, thank you so much for sharing the newest stuff from Alienware here on the Bone Match Show. I really appreciate your time. Sounds good. Thanks for coming by. Thank you. All right, and we're back. I hope you enjoyed the interviews from Saturday. Additionally, uh, on Saturday, I also played a couple of other games. Uh, you may have heard of a, a little game called Borderlands. I have heard of that little game. Well, I got to play the pre-sequel to Borderlands, which Did you is coming shoot a out. Million on billion guns. Bazillionder is how many nice. I shot. What's fun about it is, remember, I think it was Duke Nukem. What was the game where it's like first-person shooter, but you're jumping around and you do a lot of bouncing in, like, zero-G? Uh, there's a lot of that in... Um... Oh, Halo, right? You do that shit in Halo quite a bit. Yeah, you do that in Halo a bit, but what am I trying to think of? The um, the one from Crow Team, Serious Sam. Oh, okay. But, yeah, that's what's fun about the new Borderlands is like just heavy heavy gunnery and you're bouncing around while shooting it it's super fun there's a a lot to be said about falling out of the sky while blasting the shit out of an enemy that's a lot of fun right there yeah that's the whole basis of the titanfall game i believe (laughs) yeah and then second i played a new now i played a number of games it seems like the collaborative one versus four thing is here in a big way like, I mean, you sort of take the gameplay of, like, Left 4 Dead, where four people are asymmetrically have different powers, and you're all using them to achieve a common goal or fight a certain baddie. And this year, uh, a couple of games, Bioware's new game, Shadow Realm, which you play uh, four different kind of people in a modern fantasy setting. So, you know, sliding scale of wizard to warrior with different variations in between, including both swords and machine guns and bombs and shit. And then you're fighting a single person who is controlling essentially a ring wraith where they can uh, inhabit other creatures in this dungeon and use traps and tricks to try to defeat the people before they make it to the next safe zone. 
All right. Which was pretty fun, but I didn't like that as much as I liked Evolve. So Evolve is this game where you have four people who play different classes. So you've got a warrior, a trapper, a uh, support team, and a medic. And you're fighting a giant monster. And there's a sense of urgency to it because every few minutes, the monster's running around the countryside eating creatures. And when it reaches a certain level, it evolves to a bigger, badder monster. Oh, that's not good. No. And so the the cool thing, though, is like the trapper can throw a, essentially like a shield dome over the monster to trap him with inside that dome. And then your assault team can all like just lay gunfire on him and try to kill him. But Ooh. it's only like that only lasts for two minutes or something. So then the creature can get away. And if the creature gets away, it gets stronger and stronger. And it was really fun. I got to play with a group of strangers and... It was really a cool game. Like you're you're running along, you're talking to each other. Okay, we got to track down the monster. It leaves like these glowing radioactive footprints as it runs away. Some of the monsters can fly. Some of them are earthbound. I mean, it just it was really cool. And that one's coming soon as well. I actually bought some kind of. They had a set of pins where it's like four small pins for each class, and then one large pin for the monster. <laughs> I never buy stuff like that, but I just thought those are badass pins. And so I picked those up. But Evolve looks like it's a lot of fun. I'm definitely buying that one. You're going to go broke. Oh, I know. Yeah, there's at least four AAA games. Not even talking about the stuff like Darkest Dungeon, which is just done. That was maybe the most fun game I played the whole time. The minute that's available on Steam, I'm snapping that up. Wow. Anyway, uh, then finally on Saturday, uh, to close things out, I attended the... Acquisitions Incorporated, Dungeon live Dungeons and Dragons thing with Jerry and Mike from Penny Arcade, also Scott Kurtz, uh, Patrick Rothfuss was there, and Morgan Webb rounding out the crew. Again, that was a great time. So much fun. That was always an entertaining show. Uh, the guy that they have to play the DM, uh, Chris Perkins, is really amazing. And, you know, if anybody ever told you that they were going to watch live D&D, that might not sound very fun. But it it's really true. is a great live act. I don't know. How, it's almost magical that it's as entertaining as it is. Definitely, you can actually watch the whole thing now. The video is available live. I think it's on the Dungeons & Dragons website. So you can check it out. I, I guarantee you, you watch one of them, you're going to want to go back and watch the other ones. Because they're just that funny. They're really entertaining. One of the funniest things was Patrick Rothfuss. So he's the author of, of Name of the Wind and o Wise Man's Fear. You remember, I've reviewed those books on the show before. We've talked about oh, yeah. them before. He's playing this character. And, man, he caught a raft of shit. There's at one point, he does some a bit of daring do. And the DM, Chris Perkins, goes, well played. Well, because you of your daring do, I am going to grant you an inspiration. And Scott Kurt says, yeah, maybe you can use that to finish your book. <laughs> ah, that's, that's funny. Which was, yeah, it was great. And then a little later, uh, he, he gets asked a question and he stops for a moment. And he goes, I have no words. And Chris Perkins goes, New York Times bestselling author, folks. <laughs> so it was just great. They kept taking shots at him. I was cracking up. Totally funny. A lot of maybe inside baseball humor for people who read, but it was still pretty darn cool. Those readers. All right, well, that was pretty much my Saturday at PAX. Uh, why don't we check out a tune? This is one from 9K1, Chubzilla's side project with Bill Beats and Lex Lingo. 
This is appropriately enough for the state of Washington. Puff, puff, pass. Got my home. Oh. <laughs> take a little break from PAX and uh, talk a little bit about Gord's weird stuff. Gord's weird stuff? What? I love my weird stuff. I think you love my weird stuff too. Yeah. So, uh, as promised, we're going to talk a little bit about oral sex in the animal kingdom. <laughs> For some reason. The most random story I heard last week. The most actually... random story and yet Oddly satisfying because it leaves so many questions unanswered. Researchers in Poland have reported that there are a pair of male brown bears at a zoo in Croatia that have been engaging in oral sex. Now, why the Croatians needed to 
call in Polish researchers to research <laughs> oral sex given bears is beyond me. I don't know. Maybe they got a grant. They don't but, have their own ursine fellatio scientists? One would think. But I guess the Croatians are just a little weak in that department. Thank <laughs> God for the Poles. That's what I'm saying. No, they, they studied 116 hours. They studied these bears. And over that 116 <laughs> hours, the animals engaged in fellatio 28 times. So that's quickly doing the math. That's like one time every four hours. The researchers were from the Polish Academy of Science, and uh, they they described the particulars of the bear's apparent apparent behavior. Aberrant. Apparent. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not aberrant. easy to say. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, rather than read you the whole article, it just goes on about how they were confused because they thought this only happened when animals were kept in poor conditions that they would resort to fellatio. <laughs> And then they went on that perhaps these orphan bear cubs were trying to find a substitute for suckling and getting their mother's milk. <laughs> they batted all the way around the actual idea of like, hey, maybe it's fun. And since you're in bear prison and there's nothing else to do, have these people not seen Oz? <laughs> I don't know, man. I am tempted to go to zoos throughout the world and just check out how much bear-on-bear bear fellatio there is going on worldwide. Maybe maybe I can get a grant. Maybe. Well, did they check the calendar? Was it salmon and blowjob day? <laughs> when you're a bear, every day is salmon and blowjob day. <laughs> they did note that it has been documented in other animals. Other, uh, their primates, goats, sheep, cheetahs, and of course, everyone knows the short-nosed fruit bat. Really? Yes, they all have bats. various genital stimulating autofellatio masturbation-y fellatio behaviors, <laughs> according to science in was Poland. That, was that two fellatios? <laughs> I think you like hey, revisited why stop with one? <laughs> That's the fellatio motto, if you're unfamiliar. I why see. fellatio needs a motto is beyond me, let alone a spokesman. <laughs> Let alone the bear spokesman. A spokes bear, like maybe Yogi Bear, or maybe like, I don't know, Smoky Bear Moonlighting. <laughs> Only you can prevent blue balls. <laughs> oh, shit. That's, that's Gord's weird stuff. I can't remember. Is it weird shit or weird stuff? That's it. It changes depending on the audience. All right, well, why don't we right. listen to another tune? Sure. This is Shubzilla and Borrowed Love. Like they words like 
all the self-talk, hella sound destructive Did it again, I really hate it when I got a second guess, cause I got it in my head Can't stop, I just want perfection When it comes to me, there ain't no exception Sure I talk big, but you would too Take another stab, it easy to do But when I drop my pen again, lost my thought Yeah, I had a dope rhyme, but I'm guessing not Should've kept my ass at a 9 to 5 But it's all worth the struggle when I hit the stage live Is it keeping it real? If I'm lying to a crowd when they chanting my name But I don't hear a sound I'ma shut the talk off to get my mind right But the voices in my head, cause I'm still hella tight Dungeon last year, that was where we first discovered you guys, and now you've got a brand new game. Yeah, uh, oh yeah, this is Ronnie here, he's gonna about to start up a game for guys. You wanna go ahead and get them Steve, in? Steve, 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 pay attention to me. <laughs> yeah, start up a game, Ronnie, we'll get them going and then I'll talk to them more. Everyone ready, loading in three, two, one. Alright, so we're, we do have something special, I guess we'll show it off here. It's a online action RPG, but there's only one server, and there's only eight people in the whole world ever playing at a time. And uh, they broadcast out to a live audience. Okay. And then people watch, and when somebody dies, they don't get a chance to play the game again. Somebody from the audience is selected. Let's get to another smashing edition of Upsilon Circuit with me, your host with a non-trivial material advantage, Ronnie Ray Ray Raygarn. He's hard to talk over. <laughs> so, so somebody from the audience comes in, and they get their one turn to play the game. Okay. But it's only active for like a couple hours a day. All right. And it's more like a game show. It's more like a television show than it is a video game, actually. Uh -huh. So this is our game show host, and uh, that's about it. That's all. So it's called Upsilon Circuit. Steve, listen to Calvin. He knows what he's talking about. <laughs> you can find it at UpsilonCircuit.com. And 
And so, can folks, is it, where is it in this development cycle? This we point? are a couple months in, okay. and we're looking at sometime in 2015. Cool. That's the idea, at least. Well, we'll keep in touch with you. We'll post a link and help spread the, the social media as soon as you guys are ready to sell it. Oh, he's, he's, he's correcting you. Is it Upsilon? He says, he says Upsilon, yeah. Upsilon. We, we actually Upsilon. Yeah, there we go. Like Mad Upsilon. Yeah. Okay, I got it, I got it. Calvin, the one question we always ask all our guests on the show, what pisses you off? Ronnie Raygon sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Ice cold stand. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Right. All right, man. Well, thank you again so much for joining us on the Bone Bat Show. Cool. Once again, this is Steve at PAX 2014, and joining me now is Troy, who's the community manager for Motiga, the creators of a brand new game that's going to be coming out soon called Gigantic. Howdy. How are you doing, Troy? Uh, I'm doing so good. Doing Thank so you good. so much for joining me on the show. Now, you folks may not know this, but Motiga was the sponsors of the show at the Lo-Fi on Friday night, featuring Mega Ran, featuring Kirby Crackle, featuring Death Star, featuring this episode's musical guest, Shubzilla. And so it's really an honor to have you on the show to talk a little bit about your game. Hey, thanks so much. And that, show, that party was awesome. It I mean, was. We, we packed the lo-fi, and all of the artists you just named were fantastic. I mean, all we, great music, free beer. Free beer. Sponsored free, by Motiga. I mean, gigantic unbeatable. Brew. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a good time. I did partake of a lot of the uh, brew, because I, I I had to go up on stage a lot, so yes. what better time to be hammered than when you got to get Well, you know, stage. giving away prizes is thirsty work. Right? It is thirsty work, it is. <laughs> so tell our listeners a little bit about Gigantic. I will. Uh, so uh, Gigantic, developed by uh, Bellevue developers, so we're hometown folks. Um, we are uh, creating a 5v5 online combat game. A lot of people are trying to pin us down into what our genre is, mm -hmm. um, so what we've been doing is letting people play and then asking them to tell us, because mm -hmm. we don't feel like it fits... The definition of the of a MOBA that's sort of in the zeitgeist right now. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got a lot of verticality. Our characters are very, our heroes rather are very different. It's uh, it is uh, hard to pin down, but it's hella fun to play. It it's, is. It's a lot of fun, and I'm not shilling. I'm just saying. Yeah. It's a, and it's I a like the for you know a very combat heavy game. I like the the soft colors of the art, and it feels refreshing when you're playing it, even though you're trying to kill the shit out of the opponents. Absolutely, and that's why we made it that way, because we just didn't want to have a game where, you know, so it was all bleak and dark and blood splatters and all of that. I yeah, mean, there's yeah, still it's... a lot of ass-kicking going on, don't get me wrong, but uh, but it's done in a way that doesn't make you feel so bad when you get your ass handed to you. Absolutely, which uh, we did good. Our team won, nice. so I, I enjoyed playing the demo, and I, I'm usually the, the weight around people's necks when it comes to PvP, so I, I do my best, so it's, I, I try to take orders well. You and me both, brother. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're actually uh, right now entering uh, Alpha. People okay. who want to sign up can do, uh, they can go uh, visit gogigantic.com, uh, sign up for Alpha there. Uh, we're adding people by the bucket load, and um, yeah, so we're also going to be doing a lot of local Seattle events. Um, cool. Our goal is to take over local bars and uh, have folks come and play, um, you know, serve local beer, have local local entertainers, you know, do that kind of thing because it's really important to us because we're local too. Yeah. 
That sounds like a great time. Yeah. Now, talk a little bit about, uh, you guys were also sponsoring the event, the Lo-Fi, because you had a cause to talk about, Able yeah. Gamers, which, yeah. very important thing. So let's talk a little bit about that. So the Able Gamers Foundation has been near and dear to my heart. Um, actually, it was at PAX that I experienced, had this experience where I was um, running a, a booth on the show floor, mm. and a gentleman in a wheelchair came up and couldn't play the game that I was showing. And mm. it struck me like a bolt of lightning. I was like deeply offended that I had not thought of this. Yeah, Disabled gamers make up a large portion of gamers. In some cases, some of these folks can't leave their home, and this is their outlet. This is how mm-hmm. they experience the world and make their friends. There are people that I know online that if I were to have met them offline, I wouldn't have the emotional connection that I have because I got to know their personality because they are a disabled gamer and right. don't have the motor skills. You know, there's a spectrum of disabilities that. I feel like developers and people who are building spaces for folks to come enjoy games need to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. It's the great equalizer, the internet. Yeah. So it's a it's really to me a really important space to support. And Able Gamers does a lot of education. Mm-hmm. Uh, they educate developers. Um, they're a nonprofit organization. Um, I help them out with a project, uh, the wall. And basically, what I do is I harass developers to give us really cool swag mm-hmm. that they put up on their wall, and then they're going to auction it off. Oh, nice! So really, really good stuff. Um, and so yeah, it was important for me to support them as part of this event and I try to find different ways within my work with developers and with game communities and as a community manager that I can support them. Um, Really important group. Well, and as it was mentioned at the show at the Lo-Fi, a lot of times folks just need, you know, a different device to make things work and that there are bridges that can be provided and the help that Able Gamers is able to provide with folks' support is super valuable in that respect. Absolutely. And, um, you know, shame on me for not mentioning it and thank you for reminding me. I mean, they provide grants for people who can't afford assistive devices. So these people are provided with the devices that they need to be able to access the games uh, that they want to play. Uh, It's a phenomenal organization. I've been supporting them for many years um, and really, really respect what they are trying to accomplish. Well, thank you for enlightening our listeners a yeah, little bit bet. about the cause, because yeah. it seems very worthy to me. Yep. And you can find them at ablegamers.com, correct? Yep. yep. Okay, cool. Well, one final question, Troy. We always ask all of our guests on the Bone Bat Show, sir, what pisses you off? Wow, that's such a good question. What pisses me off? And I think someone in my position probably should say, nothing pisses me off. But <laughs> nothing pisses me off more than... So much. Um, <laughs> this is difficult. Oh, I know what it is. Oh, this is gonna. I, I'm gonna piss off so many people in Seattle. Nothing pisses me off more than bicyclists who don't <laughs> obey the rules of the road. You either are a car, yep, or you're a pedestrian. Okay. Yes. Pick one, yeah, and stick to it. <laughs> it's especially important given how you know safety and all that stuff is yeah. crucial. Um, but uh, yeah, being being um, being trolled on the ro- road by a bicyclist is not fun for yeah, the driver. Yeah, no, so. I, I would not think so. Yeah, all right, there you man. Go. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the Bone Bat Show, and best of luck with Gigantic. Thank you for having me, my friend. I really do you actually. It. Do you have a date when Gigantic's going to go live, yeah. or is it going to be? You said Alpha. We're It'll in be Alpha right now. Watch um, the Bone Bat Show page links, and yeah, we'll be sure and tell folks as soon as there's news. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, great. All right. Thank you, my friend. Thank you.
Insight, Steve here again at PAX 2014, and joining me now from the Quantum Astrophysicist Guild Incorporated is Ty. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Are you enjoying PAX? Yes, it's exhausting, but it's a good kind of exhausting. I love it here. So the reason I met Ty is uh, I'm checking out his game, Tumblestones, which is very cool. Now, it's a brand new game. Mm -hmm. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about it? Well, first of all, it's coming out early next year to basically every platform. Consoles, Steam, tablets, and phones. Nice. So it's my it's my reinvention of Match 3. You know, I know a lot of you know a lot of people love Match 3, but a lot of hardcore gamers are like, oh, you know, I don't I'm not liking Mitchell, I don't like this kind of game. It's it's definitely a different take on it. So it's it's kind of super competitive in the sense that you get like a few of your friends at a party and you know you start screaming at each other after a while. <laughs> but by by not take, I mean like I throw out a lot of the, the tropes with match three like Bejeweled, you know, you you spend a lot of time like scanning over a board. It's almost like a hidden object game in a sense. Yeah. Like, like you're trying to find the best, you're trying to find three blocks. Here there's only five blocks to choose from, so it's not about scanning over. It's really about like logical puzzle solving and, uh, you know, thinking thinking both critically, logically, and fast because uh, the game you just played, Puzzle Race, it's about clearing off your board before anyone else does. So in addition to solving the puzzle, you're racing everyone else to solve the same puzzle. We also have a bunch of other modes. Yeah, it has a remarkable sense of urgency. Yes, it does. Especially if you're playing against uh, other good players. Uh, <laughs> you, gotta, you know, you got to beat them. Um, but there's a lot of, uh, you know, pattern matching. Mm -hmm. It's ultimately a pattern matching game of art. The, the art is really charming. Who did the art for you? Uh, it's the same artist as The Bridge. It's Mario okay. Castaneda. Uh, we decided to do something uh, less black and white this time, and uh, <laughs> we, uh, we made a very colorful game. Yeah, very colorful, very bright, very whimsical. It, it really does make you want to play it. We have a lot of personalization in terms of the art. For example, uh, each of the different colors uh, they have a face with their own personality. The green block is <laughs> and it's the lime. Yeah, the lime green blocks, tongue sticking out. It's very cute. The red one's angry. The blue one is sad because it's blue. Yeah, of course. Um, stuff like that. And each other. We also have uh, each player can choose their own like character. They don't actually do anything. You can be like the Sausage King of Chicago or the Ice Queen. <laughs> each comes with their own board, uh, their own background. Okay. So all that art's unique. If you have one character that you really like, you can always pick that character, and everyone, if you're super good, that background will always be your background. Like, oh, I'm playing against Ty, it's always the sausage's background, but, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. And so, you know, there's a lot of artwork in the game, and a lot of, you know, ways of, to have a lot of different art content, a lot of personalization. Mm -hmm. Cool. So flair to make it extra special <laughs> for you. So when do you expect it to come out? I'm estimating February and March, no guarantees, okay. no lockdown dates, but it, we're working to bring it everywhere all at the same time. Okay. So that means, you know, your Xbox, your PlayStation, Steam for PC, Mac, Linux, iPad, Android, whatever phone you have, everywhere. Very cool. All right, Ty. Well, one last question we always ask all of our guests on the Bone Bat Show. Ty, what pisses you off? Oh, man. I get pissed off when people come down, they start mashing buttons on Tumblestone, and they go away, like, I didn't get it. Like, you want to you let me explain it to you? No. <laughs> no, I, I don't like it. I gotta admit, fair and square, like it took me a second to kind of see the the nuance of it. It has to grow on. Yeah, yeah, it, it really it, does. Even it just like it clicked after about two minutes. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, honestly, there, there honestly, it is. There's the there's the answer. There's the answer. And then you get in that mindset. Yeah, honestly, and I think with any puzzle game, around. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah, obviously, any game you're not gonna pick it up unless it's like a clone of another game. Who the hell wants to play that? Right. It's it's a you know it's a brand new concept. You have to learn it, but it only takes two rounds, three yeah. four minutes. Very cool. So where can our listeners find your game? 
tumblestonegame.com. You, you don't make them type out quantum astrophysicists? No, no one does. I, I, honestly, I, I, I named it not to piss off lawyers who had to put on documents. No, look, look, just... Well played, sir. Just Google Tumblestone. Look up Tumblestone on Steam, uh, tumblestonegame.com, or Facebook or Twitter. It's Tumblestone Game, so you'll be able to find it. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining yeah. us on the Bone Bash Show. Thank you. Steve from the Bone Bat Show here at PAX 2014. And joining me now is Paul from Farmer Gnome for this brand new game that he's working on, Fistful of Gun. How you doing, man? Yeah, pretty good, man. It is great to have you on the show. Now, I just played your game, and very 8-bit Western feel, very hard, but the fun kind of hard where I want to play it more and get better at it. Well, that's probably a good thing. Thanks for saying I played it. It's pretty cool with that, you know, it's and stuff, and, like, uh, you know, it's just, I don't think I'll ever get this sort of feedback again. Yeah. Yeah, but the reception has been really good. Well, one of the interesting things about it is that it is a PC game, but you can play using a controller, a keyboard, or a mouse, different characters, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's I, definitely, I mean, it has a number to my knowledge, and, uh, yeah, it's pretty unique, and, uh, yeah, I guess all the characters are quite different. Like they all use a different input device and they all have different controls. It's probably not good game design or anything, but I don't know. I think it's fun. Yeah, absolutely. What was it that made you want to build this game? Are you like a big Clint Eastwood fan? Or well, okay, there's that definitely. But um, mechanically, it was like uh, I a while ago I got my first joypad when I was broke and I was just over the moon. I'm like, yeah, multiplayer game time and. Um, my mates came around and it kind of sucked to be honest because whoever had the joypad was just the bomb and everybody else was playing on the keyboard uh-huh. and like sharing controls and shit like that so I'm like you know it'd be cool if like we could use more devices so I started uh, you know brainstorming ideas to make a game that could be controlled with like a, a mouse and then it, it got more ridiculous than that I went way too far I went like mini keyboard and then my, <laughs> my driving wheel and like by the end of it I kind of refined it back because the mini keyboard and the driving wheel were just kind of more gimmicky than game yeah so yeah that's kind of how it started and then I just released it free online and uh, people liked it and I just kept working on it I guess all the mini keyboard would have been awesome because you could have the player piano in yeah, there. Yeah. I was going to have like a... <laughs> like a Gatling gun and a yeah, piano. Like a bar type character on it. Like, you know, so yeah. like you, you buff everybody. But also, like, I was going to do a... Um, you could assign it to a different side of the screen. You could fire, like, volleys and things based on the keys. So yeah. It's kind of like... A, um, you know, you, you press the one on the left and it flies from the left side of the screen yeah. something, and you play like different tunes to basically kill the enemies. <laughs> so that was, a, that was the idea, but it didn't really, didn't really make the cut just because it was way too gimmicky. Yeah, yeah, yeah so. sure. Well, that's one of the things I want to tell the listeners that yeah, although it has like the the Western palette and art style in an 8-bit game, it kind of reminded me of Robotron because shit gets hairy fast and you are just dodging between a ton of fire, trying to fire and reload as quickly as you can. It's, really fun stuff. It's almost like bullet hell, like towards when the levels get uh, more extreme, you know, like... Uh, it, it, it's just like bullet patterns everywhere yeah. and it's dodging shit yeah so yeah I guess like 
there's no real one inspiration, but like lots of games are like that have, have elements that I like, and I try to fit it in this. But, you know, like within these, you know, there's no nothing super crazy beyond the controls, basically. So you're thinking this will be a Steam release, uh, maybe mid middle of next year? Yeah, that's what I'm like. Uh, quarter two, uh, 2015. It's on Steam right now. It's just there's no like buy or download or whatever. <laughs> I mean, you can add it to your wish list if you really want. Um, yeah, that's about it, really. I mean, uh, cool. I, I don't, I don't foresee it like going over, you know, going over schedule or anything. Okay. Yeah. I still got to do the story mode. That's about it. Well, well, I'll definitely point our listeners there when the final game's released. But, of course, check now on Steam. Where can we find your stuff online? Uh, Farmanome.com. Very cool. That's pretty easy to... Uh, yeah, that's uh, easy enough, yeah. yeah so, uh, that's where all my games are. Like, most of my games before this were, like, uh, kind of loot and bear games. So, I made, like, you know, like, little 48-hour games. Like, I made uh, Steven Seagal, the first ever Steven Seagal game. The first ever released <laughs> Steven Seagal game. So, it was one on the Super Nintendo. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, like all sorts of weird shit. Nothing really like that you'd want to play, but you know, <laughs> if, if someone likes it, then send me a me- send me an email or follow me on Twitter and say you liked it. <laughs> Very cool. All right, man. Well, last question. We always ask all of our guests on the Bone Bat Show. Paul, what pisses you off? Drama in games. Like I hate it when like games get attention because they feel like you know shit that isn't related to, you know, like, gameplay, oh, yeah, like, oh, it's gender issues or whatever, yeah. social justice, I just can't deal with that, <laughs> so that fucks me off. <laughs> all right, man, well, thank you so much for joining us on the show, and best of luck with the game. All right, man, cheers, thanks. Precious faces to marriage, lady clocks going tick-tock, honeymoon in heaven happened, I'm the newest bride up in the block, Shubzilla's mad conspiring, that will you sir can bestow, your wifey's weaving wonderfully, a sick surprise you wanna know, honey let me put it bluntly, don't want no Benz Mercedes, my drops to be a mother and I want a bunch of babies, fill my quiver full with some arrows like we the Duggar family, you used to be an MC, till you took a baby to the knee, you say you want four or five, well it's time for baby making, I'm cake tapping dad ass, dick blasting out XY bacon, saddle up, horsey style, jotting out all same lettered names, gimme Jimmy, Jack, John, Jaquan, Jennifer, don't play no games, it's parenthood or you're dead, impotent sealing your doom, new mama time is ahead, and I want those babies real soon, let me work to rev your engine, we'll be expecting by June, bunny hop onto your fat dick, don't quit, fill me up till you're through, I want a baby. Chrome 
chromosomes are still mine. No question, set erection. Put out and be a grown man. The birth control's out the door, cause procreation's a plan. Pop lock, drop holes in your magnums. Jarring up all your release. Getting on that parenthood tip. Shooting out one baby a piece. I want a baby. I want a baby. I want a baby. just heard my final round of interviews of course uh robot loves kitty and the interview for upsilon circuit the brand new game from the folks who gave you the legend of dungeon also a small independent game called tumble stones which we have an interview for that too that's also what i call my underwear (laughs) tumble stones yeah that's my underwear's loose you're getting quicker no you're not also, on Sunday at PAX, I got to uh, play a game called Gigantic from Motiga. Have you heard of this one? No. So it's kind of like, a, I guess they're calling them MOBAs, like League of Legends, where you're kind of fighting across a field against another team. Yeah. But it's a first-person shooter of that. So you are running around this really colorful, cartoony, almost Disney-esque landscape. And then as you're fighting... You know, you, each of your teammates have different powers, and as you're fighting, if you get enough kills, you empower this gigantic titan on your side to go across the screen and fight the enemy titan. And if you defeat the enemy titan, your team wins. Yay! And it's a five-on-five game where I had a chance to play with ten people playing. The guys at Motiga were fantastic. Troy there, who... You heard in the interview, it was a lot of fun to, to sit down and play this game with a bunch of people and see how it worked, and it was really cool. So, another game to watch for Gigantic. All right. So, dude, I actually have a box of stuff here for you. I got, like, all the swag from Wargaming.com because I know, I told anybody who listened, hey, man, my co-host, 
power user of World of Tanks. Guy Send won't, me my box. Guys won't, guy won't shut up about your game. Please give him free shit. So I have a whole bunch of stuff to send you. I didn't have a chance to send it last Saturday. It will go out this week. So I hope yeah. you dig it. I'm looking forward to it. I got to spend about an hour with the fine folks at Wargaming.com. Uh, played a little bit of World of Warships, which I really enjoyed. It actually, World of Tanks has always felt really ponderous to me and very slow. And I kind of liked how you felt like you could actually kind of corner in the battleships and unload like a big wave of torpedoes or gunfire on your enemies and watch them sink. That was pretty fun. And, uh, Kind of avoiding the airplanes that are shooting at you and stuff like that. It was a lot of fun. So I think I would definitely play that a little bit more than I do World of Tanks. And uh, then following that, I spent a good chunk of time at the Deep Silver booth uh, playing the new Dead Island games. First, uh, Escape from Dead Island, which is kind of a trippy sort of a... I want to call it an adventure game. It's got combat in it, but there's also puzzles and other kind of stuff. It's not quite the same as the regular Dead Island, although I did play Dead Island 2 as well. Have you seen the trailer for that? No. Oh, my God. It is so great. It starts out with this dude running down Venice Beach, and as he's running down the beach, zombie apocalypse is busting out all around him. It's fantastic. If the whole game is as good as that two minutes, oh my god. And the, the section that I played was really fun. Uh, basically, you were kind of holed up in this small town. You had to fight your way through uh, some neighborhoods and a gas station before you made it to like the entrance to this theater. And then horde mode happened. Ton of zombies and you and a group of people fought them off with whatever stuff you had around. Baseball bat, oars, whatever. And uh, it was pretty cool. So... Uh, Again, you know, Dead Island, the last Dead Island wasn't one of my favorites because the controls sort of felt clunky. It was like a lot of times you'd be swinging at a zombie and you would miss. And it, it, you didn't feel like it was as accurate as, say, like Left 4 Dead was. But yeah. they seem to have fixed that in both of the new Dead Island games. They A lot more accurate, a lot more crisp. If you set out to hit a zombie, you weren't flailing. You would hit him right where you wanted to hit him. I was using a sledgehammer. And zombies would just freaking explode in a gout of blood. It was hot. <laughs> totally fun. Nice. So, yeah, definitely, I think, worth checking out there. Uh, so I spent a lot of time there. And then uh, that night, I actually left PAX. It was time to go. Played one last game called Fistful of Gun, which you just heard about. And then uh, I went and played some rock and roll with uh, some of my buddies. My friend Andy, who has been on the show. I rode STP with him. My friend Liam, who's been on the show. And uh, a couple other dads in the neighborhood practiced for about the last eight weeks of summer on some rock and roll covers. And uh, played them live Sunday night at the Huckleberry Jam Barbecue. It was totally fun. Had a great time. Nice. You're, you're, a, you're a rock and did roll you watch, star, man. Did you watch the videos? I only saw the pictures. What? There, I didn't dude, know there were videos. There's eight videos in that file. Every song is there. Oh, my God. I can't believe you didn't watch it. The whole reason I, I sent it. I'm so bad. I didn't know you sent me a file. What are you talking about? Yeah, I sent, I sent you an invitation to a file. And in that file, there were the videos. It was like a thing on OneDrive, Microsoft OneDrive, and had all the videos and all the photos. 
Uh, Can't believe you didn't watch that shit. This is the first I'm hearing of it. I saw your pictures on Facebook. No, no, I sent this to your email address. Yeah, I, uh, I didn't even know what Microsoft OneDrive was until just now. So it could be I just. You probably deleted we, it because you're a yeah. Dick. I, I probably you thought it was spam, but I don't even recall seeing it at all. Steve, and you deleted it. Yeah, that's I'll what send, I do. I've got a whole just delete file. I'll send it again. Please do. Anyway, that was a lot. Of and uh, that was my PAX weekend. So PAX was a fantastic time. Again, hopefully I can get tickets for the whole family for next year. Hopefully you can come up next year. It would be neat to be all good. go. Get a hotel room down there. Just stay near the convention center not come home every night. Go to a few parties, listen to some live music, play a shit ton of games. That's what I'd like to do next year. That would be good. Well, dude, why don't we do a little quick multimedia triage and get the hell out of here? All right, let's do it because, hey, we haven't had enough media. We need well, some more well, we media. We haven't heard from you. I mean, yeah, we talked to me plenty. But... All right. So, I played a game. You weren't around, but I played it anyway. It's a multiplayer game at its best called Monaco. Have you played this? No, but it's free on Xbox Live free right now. Free on Xbox and I, Live. I need to do- download that shit. Now, is it multiplayer? Yeah. Nice. You, there's a and single player. It's like heist, right? You, get, you can, like, rob stuff? Yeah, it's a very smart little 16-bit looking game where you play one of four characters and you can play in a party of up to four, local or online. And it's just, each character has different ability. It's like one part gauntlet, one part um, Pac-Man, I guess. One part the usual suspects. Usual suspects are like Ocean's Eleven. That too. Uh, You... You break into banks, or you break guys out of prison, or you you try to escape from exploding yachts. You go on all these missions, and it's a it's a top down thing. So you're, but unlike other top down shooters, you don't see the whole board. You can only see what your character would see. So you've got to go around a corner to see what's on the other side. And the, the abilities, each guy's got a special ability. They can be like, uh, you're good at knocking out the guards from behind. You're good at digging through walls, at unlocking locks quickly. Everybody has an ability, and all the abilities are, are a good thing to have. And it's it's a very fast-paced, very fun game. I've been playing it with my kids. It's uh, it's fun. Monaco, and hey, it's free! You have Xbox Live? This is a free game. And you want to get on that quick, because by the time that you're going to be listening to this show, it's going to be the middle of the month, and Microsoft changes over their free games mid-month. So you want to snatch this up. And what is the other one? The other one is Time uh, Shoot. Oh, yeah, yeah. That Time game where the, the it's a like a side-scrolling like super, shooter. Super Time Force or something. Yeah. And that's supposed to be really good, too. I haven't played that yet. Yeah, the, the twist of that game is it's not just a side-scrolling shooter. You actually travel backwards through time or full. I think you can do forwards through time, too, to where you... To, you know what happened earlier in the level so you shoot stuff go back in time shoot the other stuff go forward in time now that stuff's not in your way yeah that's, that's the way i understand it kind of like braid but with a, a combat mechanic mixed in with it yeah side scrolling combat yeah. mechanic yeah you speaking of side scrollers you know what everybody was talking about at pax a game called bro force have you seen this game <laughs> i saw I saw some of the stuff uh, that was being developed for it. Really? That's fun? Yeah, everybody was talking about it. Like, from people who just play to, like, the Alienware guys were talking about it. 
Really? Yeah. Oh. Everybody, uh, you know, I say, hey, what have you played? Oh, I played this, played that. What about Broforce? Broforce, really? Because it just kept popping up. So I ended up playing with uh, the guys at the Alienware booth, and it's kind of fun. Like, you're, it's a side-scrolling shoot-em-up, kind of like Contra, that type of thing. Yeah. But, yeah it's a beat-em-up, though, not a shoot-em-up, right? Yeah, but it be, well, you're beating and shooting. You got oh, guns. Okay. But as you, if you die, you come back as a different person, and it's like there are like five different Schwarzeneggers from different movies. So you can be like the Commando Schwarzenegger or the Terminator, or it's just like knockoffs of every action hero ever. And you keep coming back as a different one every time with different weapons, which is totally fun. That sounds silly. Yeah, totally silly, totally bang, bang, bang. You know, if you wanted something to play for 10 minutes where you just blow the hell out of everything, that is a really good candidate for that sort of thing. So keep an eye peeled for that. I think it's on Steam and any of your local game systems, probably on Xbox Live and places like that as well. Right on. Uh, I've started watching a series called Black Mirror. Have you seen this series? No, I haven't heard of that one. All right, this is BBC, and it's BBC on the other side of the pond. It's not really out in the United States, except I think DirecTV showed a few episodes. They've only had two seasons. Each season is three episodes long, and they're standalone stories, sort of like Twilight Zone. But they have an overarching theme, and the theme is near future technology. You should worry about it. <laughs> the, the first... And I've watched two-thirds of season one so far, and I I am loving it, and I'm really irritated that there's only six of these things you can watch so far. The first episode is about uh, the princess, a very popular princess in the UK, is kidnapped. And the kidnapping demand is put on YouTube right away. That's how the message is sent, that I've got the princess, she's going to die unless you meet my demands. And the way the, the YouTube culture and the media pub, shifting public opinion plays out and what has to happen if the prime minister, you know, the government will and won't do to get this princess back is, is amazing. And it's twisted as hell, Steve. You would like it. <laughs> Second episode, even better. The gist is everybody, well, most everybody, like most everybody has a smartphone now. Uh-huh. Most everybody has this thing they call a grain. And it's like a small little chip behind your ear, and it's tapped into your brain and your eyeballs and your ears, and it allows you to record. In fact, it's always on, recording your life. And you can use it to play back, you know, things that you have seen or and or heard. So people are playing back these experiences and how that affects this one guy's life, like his everyday life dealing with this like from everything from airport security, like, hey, play back the last 12 hours for me real quick. All right, looks good. You can go through to having an argument with his wife. And if you have the ability to essentially remember and play back everything for someone else to see, that is a bitch. Because, you know, you said this. No, I didn't. Well, let's just play it back. See, there you are saying it. Well, you said that. And the more, and I was... The more you think about it, the more this flipping wonderful that episode is. So I'm dying to watch the rest of these episodes. It's called Black Mirror. In the United States, you can either buy the DVD or if you've got a good local uh, video rental place, you can get it. But you cannot, uh, you, you can't get it through legitimate means 
any other way that I know of. Well, my my thing, I would suggest maybe see if uh, Scarecrow Video might have it here in Seattle. There you go. And there's still one week left to donate to their Kickstarter. So what better time? Celebrate Scotland's independence by donating to their Kickstarter. <laughs> That's such a tremendous reach. Well played. (laughs) And, uh, hey, speaking of free, great stuff, there's a band called the Monophonics. Monophonics. And their album, Plain and Simple, is on Bandcamp for you decide what you want to pay for it. Woohoo! And it's good. I downloaded it, and I hadn't really listened to it. It's it's sort of a jazzy, ska-y, big band-y Funk, you know what? Funk would be the best way to describe it. This nouveau funk like Orgoni and, and other bands that I've been getting into lately. Uh, so that that 70s cop movie vibe. I downloaded it and really I didn't pay him enough. I, I paid him like five bucks or something. And the more I listened to it, the more I'm like, oh God, I should have bought this at full price. So I went and I bought their other two uh, CDs. Into the infrastructure, uh, into the infrastructure, wow, this is hard to say, into the infrasounds and in your brain. Uh, check this band out. Just go to, go listen to the, that free or pay what you want album. See what you think of them. The monophonics. I, I like them. Hmm. Oh, man, and finally, you- I read a book, Steve. What? Yeah, well, I'm reading a book. Uh, if we weren't doing the podcast right now, I would be reading the book and probably finishing the book. Half a King by the guy you introduced me to, Joe Abercrombie. Joe Abercrombie. How is it? Oh, man, this guy can write some fun stuff. Yeah, he's great. You know, though, the idea that this is a YA book kind of turned me off. That's why I haven't read this one. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know that. I just thought it was nice someone was finally writing down to my level. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, no, I had no idea this was a YA book. Um, Is it a good story? So take that for what you will. Maybe that's why I feel like it's moving along so quickly. Yeah, it's a good story. Does it take uh, place in the same First Law universe? It, it is. It's around the Shattered Sea. Okay. And they reference, what's his name? Bane the Builder, Bran the Builder, Bob the Builder. Bob the Builder. What about uh, Nine Fingers? No, none of the other characters. It's. I think it's in the same universe, but like way out in left field of it. Okay. So this guy, he's, he's born with... Uh, deformed arm and hand and he's he's one of he's the son of the king and he's he's a no one looks at him as any kind of a warrior or future king because he's got an older brother who's big and buff and king-like and so his whole life has been dedicated to studying he's going to become a minister he's it's has nothing to do with his family or ruling it's kind of like taking the black kind of like a a maester in the Game of Thrones books, uh-huh. he's going to become one of those. But his father and his brother are killed, and suddenly he is thrust into the role of king. And much madness and hijinks and murder ensue. It's just a cool, fast-moving story. I'd say check it out. Half a King, Joe Abercrombie. Cool. Well, maybe I will now. Maybe you will. Well, I finished a couple of books. Just real quick, I read the last three books uh, in the Hellboy graphic novel series from Dark Horse Comics. Uh, to come full circle there. Which ends with the fucking death of Hellboy. Did you know this? 
No. Is it going to be like one of those Batman deaths or one of those Superman? Well, yeah, Is it going to be like one of those Superman here's deaths? Here's the thing. He's, he's kind of called Hellboy. So you sort of have an idea on Front Street that if he did end up dead, you know where he would end up. Right. So I do not believe that's the end of it, his adventures. And I, I think that I'm only catching up on, in the graphic novels. There, there are since uh, comic series that have come out where he is roaming around hell. So there you go. Although in hell, maybe because he's become more good on Earth, he comes back as heck boy. Maybe. I don't know. But it was it was cool to see because Mignola did a wonderful job of bringing back a lot of characters and monsters that Hellboy fought in the early volume, like all the way back to Seeds of Destruction. Yeah. And so he tied up the series really neatly with a lot of mentions and callbacks to previous Hellboy adventures, which I thought was really cool. It was well thought out and well executed. I got to give him mad props for the way he wrapped up the series. All right. Then uh, finally, I finished Walking Dead Season 2, the game from Telltale. Post packs, I mentioned to Kevin I hadn't had a chance to play it yet in the interview, and I buckled down and finished this this weekend, and God, it is so sad. I was going to say, are you... So good, so sad, but you know, I was a little pissed at the end of it. The end of the game makes you pull sort of a a Sophie's Choice bullshit ending, I think, where it's like you have to do A, X, bad thing, or B, X, bad thing, and there's no third choice to get out of it. And I, I don't know that I believe in that in the world. If I was really in Clementine's head... I think I could have come up with a third solution to the end game of the fifth episode. So I was a little bit disappointed in how that wrapped up. But overall, it's just as emotionally harrowing and well done and well active and gets you right in the feels as all the previous episodes have. So again, highly recommended gameplay from Telltale Games, Walking Dead. Check it out. But... There is a little caveat. I was a little bit disappointed in the ending, the way that went down. You're just too good a person. I guess so. All right, so is that all you got for... Wrap the baby and throw it in the lake. Is that all you got on the triage front? That's all I got. Well, let's wrap this... got it all. I left it all out there on the mic. (laughs) Well, let's wrap this bad boy up then. Uh, First of all, thank yous. I'd like to thank... Shit, there's so many people. I'd like to thank everybody who uh, allowed me to interview them for PAX. I'd like to thank Death Star, of course, Shubzilla, and Bill Beats for sharing their incredible music with us. Some of the people who I got to chat with at PAX, uh, of course, Super Guitar Bros and MC Frontalot were awesome. It was fun to catch up with them for a minute. Uh, MC Frontalot, I did pick up his new CD, and hopefully we'll be able to do an interview with him in a couple of episodes from now and uh, play some of the new shit here on the show. It is a children's album, you know. Or at least Kids Slanted, Question Bedtime it is called, which who doesn't question bedtime? I mean, you should. You should. I don't think there is such thing as bedtime. (laughs) All right. Our usual bullshit. You can reach the show at 425-296-6557 or via email to steve at bonehand.com. Got new content on bonehand.com frequently. It's also the home of the heavy half hour sometimes. MightyWombat.com is where I live. And we've got a Facebook site. We've got Twitter. And I'm Mighty underscore Wombat over there at Twitterland. 
You can also follow Bonehand on Twitter, and we have a Bone Bat feed there as well, as well as a Bone Bat Facebook page where you can find uh, frequent jokes, videos that we find, other cool stuff, a lot of times cheap music or games. Bear um, on bear oral sex. Yeah, what really we cover we've got all your needs covered at the yeah. Boneback Facebook page. So you should be following that right now. As a matter of fact, I think we're pretty close to 250 followers there. So uh, we're if huge. you if you we're don't gigantic. like us already, come like us. What the hell? We're likeable. We are. You can do that. Again, thank you for listening. If you like what we do, please spread the word and tell a friend. Our closing tune tonight, the appropriately titled Closing Credits, the final cut from the brand new album Dinner in a Movie by Shubzilla and Bill Beats. I hope you dig it. And again, I'm Steve. This is Gord. And until next time, have a good one. Have a good one.
been a dinner and a movie. Brought to you by Shubzilla and Bill Beats. A Noir Brine production. 2014. In a large pot on medium heat. Brown garlic and vegetable oil. Add chicken thighs, potatoes in equal parts. Soy sauce and apple cider vinegar. Add pepper and bay leaves to taste. Cover and let boil for 30 to 45 minutes. Separate chicken and pan fry until brown. Serve over steamed rice and chopped green onion. Serve six to eight. doesn't question bedtime i mean you should you should i don't think there is such thing as bedtime